Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. A lot to get into tonight. We'll get into some Eagles-related stuff uh, later in the show. Training camp right around the corner. I believe our promo said seven days until training camp begins. Uh, So excited for that. I don't know, around this time every year, not as much last year because sports were just coming back and we were just, uh, you know, so thankful to have anything. We were, what, days away from the Phillies uh, beginning their season last year. It was July 24th where they began last year. But in a normal you know, year, this is around the time where you really get that itch for football. And I have my itch, my itch uh, for football that, that needs to be scratched. Excited for, excited for the season. We got to coordinate our, our fantasy league, Mike. I'm assuming the WIP Fantasy League is coming back this year. Uh, do you think we're going to have an in-person draft this year? We did it remotely over Zoom uh, last season. I think uh, we we might have to do an in-person draft this year. No reason not to. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to get that together uh, coming up. I don't know yeah. who's the commissioner anymore. Who is it? Was it Turtell or Jack last year? I think Jeff Ke- Jack Keffer's handling it now. Is oh, that, cool. Is, uh, Jack's I, at least reliable. Didn't he do it last year? I, I don't. No, know. I don't think he did. Hmm. I don't remember. I thought it was. I thought it was Fritz. Maybe, uh, but but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if Fritz Fritz is going to do it. He's he's right now uh, talking about running an eight minute mile or something. Uh, that's his new. He was proud that he ran eight minutes uninterrupted the other day, and apparently he's trying to break an eight minute mile. I so. guess I don't really understand how that gets in the way of him uh, just organizing fantasy football. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. I just uh, I, I I don't know. It, it's uh well, he's doing a lot of training for that, I'm sure. Wish him well on that. Yeah. So, um uh we'll we'll have to get our fantasy league together. Just something that uh you know, came to mind as we're talking about football uh as everybody gets their drafts together, but we'll get some Eagles conversation a little later on an article that I saw about a player um that uh suggested should be traded. I disagree with that, Uh, but we'll get to it later on. We will preview Phillies-Yankees tonight and this two-game series that, again, don't know why it's not a three-game series, don't know why the Phillies didn't play Monday night. The Mets did play Monday night. 
played a wild one in Cincinnati. Uh, that they won in 11 innings, 15-11. to 11. So the Phils fall, they drop a half game, and are now two and a half games out in the NL East. So we'll preview that. We will also preview a big Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight, a series that seemed pretty dis- uninteresting at the beginning of it, uh, but has gotten very interesting over the last couple games, and I'm really excited for this Game 6 tonight between the Bucks and the Suns in Milwaukee. So we'll get to that. And Dave Dombrowski, who joined John Clark on, is it the Takeoff podcast? Takeoff. Uh, the John, Takeoff with John Clark. And i got to give John Clark a lot of credit. I mean, he's, getting, he's making news with this podcast weekly. I know they were talking about it on the morning show, but, you know, he had the Danny Green stuff. He had Doug a while back. John Clark continues uh, to break news and provide us with content. So Good I am stuff. I am appreciative uh, of John Clark and the John Clark doing some hard hitting journalism that we'll get to later on. That I know you were pleased about, Mike. Um, you have been very critical of the Phillies beat writers this season. Just baffled, really, just baffled. But yeah, to uh, John Clark's credit, we do get an Adam Hazley check in. Okay, well, John Clark has. Uh, has broached the subject of Adam Hazley with Dave Dombrowski. And Dave Dombrowski, um, an illuminating answer? I don't know. Maybe you can be the judge of that a little later on in the show. But but where I kind of wanted to start tonight is more of a, a broader view of where we are in Philadelphia sports right now. And every team in the city being faced with essentially the same question right now where this is a critical juncture for all the teams in this city flyers a lesser extent because you know they're at a different point in their development i'm not sure if a move is really out there to be made for them at this point that is going to change their fortunes significantly but when you look at where the phillies eagles and sixers all are right now they all find themselves at a very pivotal point where they will make decisions over the coming, you know, in Philly's cases, in the Philly's case, days, in the Sixers case, weeks, in the Eagles case, months, that will dramatically alter and impact the future of their franchises moving forward. With the Phillies, we know where they are right now. Two and a half games out after the Mets win on Monday night. And the Phillies find themselves in a position where they need to decide whether or not it makes sense to be aggressive, to go for this division now, or preserve the prospects that they do have in the system. Kind of think of things more in a long-term view That, okay, maybe we're not serious World Series contenders now. We could mortgage some of the future for some short-term success. But does that really make sense to us as an organization? Is that really the right course of action at this point? Or considering we don't really view ourselves as a team that can win the World Series this year. Is it a better option for us to stand pat? Hope? that we can go on a run and win the NL East, but we're not giving up things that can help us in the future to do it. 
These are the kind of decisions that the Phillies are going to have to make over the next 10 days as they decide the future of their organization because what they do over these next 10 days will certainly influence the organization for the next couple of years. If they do decide to be aggressive, if they do decide to deal a Spencer Howard, a guy who could be a part of your rotation in the future, a Bryson Stott who could be a valuable player. I don't know how he projects, whether he is a projectable starting shortstop in the major leagues at this point, but a guy that could be a part of your core. If you look to trade some of the other prospects down in the minor leagues that you could theoretically use going forward and could be a part of making you a legitimate World Series contender in three to four years to instead go for some short-term gratification and to go for a playoff spot right now by going out and getting an established veteran that could come in, help bolster this team, and help strengthen you as you head toward the second half and the stretch run of this season. These are things that the Phillies are going to have to weigh over the next 10 days. For the Sixers, they are coming off of a very disappointing playoff run, a very disappointing series loss to an Atlanta Hawks team that I think most of us certainly feel in this city they should have beaten. I mean, you have a 2-1 lead, you're up 18 in Game 4, on the road, you blow that. Even with the series tied 2-2, you come home for Game 5, everything seems to be well in hand, you're up 26, you disintegrate, you lose Game 5. Still, you force a Game 7, you have a Game 7 on your home floor, a game that there's no way you should lose, and you do end up losing that game, you end up being eliminated, and we all know what happened to Ben Simmons, one of your franchise cornerstones, not being aggressive in that series. And not, in many ways, being ready for that moment from an offensive standpoint. And Daryl Morey is similarly in a position where he has a serious decision to make. Do you wait and try another year with this core and continue to build? And look at you know a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, where they could have kind of blown things up. They could have looked to trade a Chris Middleton and changed the chemistry around Giannis. Instead, they kind of let it build organically. They had their playoff failures. They did go out and get a Drew Holiday. It's not like they stood pat and did nothing. They did mortgage a significant amount of the future to get Drew Holiday, but they kept the main core in place, and it ends up putting them in a position where they could very well win an NBA championship tonight. Did the Sixers follow that model and hope that Ben Simmons will expand his game, that he'll improve, that he'll get over whatever mental hurdles he is dealing with offensively and at the free throw line and become the player that the Sixers need him to be and put them in a position to contend for championships for the next few years? Or do they opt to be aggressive? And do they kind of blow it up and trade Ben and look to trade 
you know, you probably have to trade guys like Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel and Shake Milton and a bunch of picks and go after a Damian Lillard and be aggressive and go for it right now and put yourself in a situation where you have a much better chance to win the championship this upcoming season, but may hamper your chances to have franchise sustainability for the next five to 10 years. That's the situation that Daryl Morey and the Sixers find themselves in right now. With the Eagles, they are once again in a situation where their future is uncertain at the most important position in all of sports. I guess you can argue for a goaltender in hockey. Um, I personally think a quarterback in football is the most important position in all of sports. Just look at what happened last year down there in Tampa Bay, where that's a roster and a team that have been average for years. And Jameis Winston was fine. Jameis Winston did some nice things. But he also turned the ball over at a high rate. You replace him with the greatest quarterback of all time, and that team ends up winning a Super Bowl. Like, quarterback play is incredibly important. It's the most important thing you can find, certainly in that sport, and I think in all of American sports. And the Eagles find themselves in a situation where Carson Wentz, we all know what happened last year. He blew up. He fell apart in spectacular fashion. And while Jalen Hurts came in and played well in a small sample size, There is no way that you can just proclaim him the starter long-term for this organization. And a guy that you know for the next, uh, forget five years, a guy that you know for the next two years can be your starting quarterback. There's no way to know that off of the four-plus games that he played to close out last season with a different coaching staff and with a team that was not really playing for anything coming down the stretch of last year. Sure, they were mathematically alive in the NFC East, but that team was dealing with a ton of different issues, and we'll truly find out, you'd think, about Jalen Hurts this year. But we do not have enough information to go off of at this point to just proclaim him as the guy moving forward. And you look around the league, Deshaun Watson is likely available, and we know the complicated nature of that situation, his legal struggles, and whether that would be a wise move. But it's one the Eagles certainly need to consider as they move forward because despite what Deshaun Watson is being accused of, despite the lawsuits that he is dealing with right now, the guy is going to play in the NFL again. And when he plays, he is a top five talent at that position. I'd say, short of Patrick Mahomes... He's probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now. When you look at just pure athleticism, pure talent, in terms of throwing the football, utilizing his legs, Deshaun Watson is incredible. And that is an option that the Eagles have moving forward. And I'm not sure whether it would be a wise move, but it's one the Eagles certainly need to consider, and I'm sure have considered and will continue to consider. And we will tackle all three of these situations tonight because they're all unique and they all, you know, need to be evaluated a little differently. They all are different in their own nature and the organizations are in different places in nature with 
the Sixers being more a team that's looking that, that the clock is ticking on and their urgency is about right now. The Phillies kind of in that middle ground and the Eagles a team that is seemingly rebuilding, but that can be expediated very quickly if you were to get a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. But as a broad point, I want to examine and look at how do you prefer your organizations to proceed? Because I prefer aggressiveness. And in all three of these situations, I think it would behoove these organizations to be aggressive and go out and try to find ways to get these separate deals done. I would love to see the Phillies at this point go out and improve this team and give their their roster a legitimate opportunity to make the playoffs. The way things have fallen around them, the way things have worked out, it just makes sense at this point. It didn't make sense to me weeks ago, but it makes sense now that this is the way the Phillies should proceed and they should buy and look to add. The Sixers, I believe if you have an opportunity to go get a guy like Damian Lillard, you go get a guy like Damian Lillard and you figure it out around Joel Embiid and Lillard and Tobias Harris, whatever's left. I mean, probably Danny Green, Seth Curry. You can figure out the rest of the roster. That's something that I think would be a smart course of action to go out and do and give Joel Embiid what a player with in Lillard that I think is the perfect fit, the perfect running mate with him. And with the Eagles as well, I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson. And as much as I like Jalen Hurts, and I am hopeful Jalen Hurts will be a good player, and I like a lot of the things that he brings to the table. I love his personality. I love his competitiveness. love his attitude. I love Deshaun Watson's talent more. And Deshaun Watson's talent is something that is undeniable. And in general, I prefer aggressiveness with my teams. Because you can live with aggressive mistakes. You can live with going out and making moves, and if it doesn't work out, you know, it's unfortunate. But at least you tried. And I look at it back with the Phillies in 09, 10, 11. Ruben Amaro takes a lot of heat. Rightfully so. He didn't rebuild early enough. But at least those deadlines, he went out and tried to improve this team. And the Phillies' losses in those postseasons were not due to a lack of aggressiveness. He went out, he got Cliff Lee. He got Roy Oswald. He got Hunter Pence. He dramatically improved this team every year at the trade deadline. And you can live with the failures when you try to be aggressive and you try to improve. It's much harder to watch when opportunities pass you by. And if the Phillies don't add, if the Sixers don't do everything they can to get Dame Lillard, if the Eagles pass on going and getting a a quarterback like Deshaun Watson because of what they hope Jalen Hurts could become, that would be much more difficult to take as a fan watching these teams operate. And we'll get into everything individually and talk about the pros and cons of of all of it throughout the course of the night. But I did kind of it did kind of strike me as we talk about these teams and look about look at the situations they're in. How they're all kind of in this kind of similar spot right now. Are you aggressive and do you look to the short term or are you you know, patient and passive and prioritize the long-term. 
I would prefer aggressiveness, but I want to know how you feel out there. How do you think these front offices should proceed with caution or aggression as we look ahead? And maybe you feel, you know, one way about one team and a different way about another team. But in this instance, as far as I look at it, with all three of these teams right now, the Phillies, the Sixers, the Eagles, I think all three should be aggressive and all three should be trying to get uh, the deals done to improve their teams in the situations they're currently in. I want to know how you feel about it and whether you prefer the long-term approach from these front offices as we look forward or should they try to mortgage part of their future to go out and get players that can help them and give them a better chance right now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. So starting with a little broad topic tonight, because I do think it's interesting the situations all these teams are in where they could look long-term, could look short-term. I want to look short-term and look to win right now. So we'll discuss that, um, but plenty of other stuff to get to as well. When we get back, um, I'll give you the latest odds on the National League East and where the Phillies fall, uh, because I found them to be very interesting. And throughout the course of the night, we will let you hear Dave Dombrowski, as he joined John Clark, weighed in on a number of different topics. Uh, So we will get to that as well. But open lines if you want to get in here at the top of the show. 215-592-9494-215-592-9494 is how you join. I'm Tom Kelly. Mike Angelina producing tonight uh, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. And for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning, if you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Did you notice, Mike, the shirt that I am wearing tonight? Um, it is, uh, the clear water shirt, it's back clear water shirt. Um, and I gotta say as much as I do think Bryce Harper is a bit of a fraud. I do enjoy this shirt. It is very comfortable. It's very lightweight. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't weigh, you know, some her shirts can feel heavy. It's, it's a nice material. So I will give Bryce this. He, uh, is involved with a good product here with these clear water shirts. You're going to get your John hat? No, I'm not going to be wearing a, a John hat. Um, but are you, so this is, so this goes to like the Bryce Harper fund, right? Like he is the one who I don't think so. It, um, no, remember that Kobe played? He said his wife found it on the, on the internet and he thought it'd be funny. So he got it. Oh, but he's not. Okay. So, but this isn't a Bryce produced product. I was under the impression that it like, could, maybe it is now. I don't know. Okay. I was uh, under the impression that this was like a Bryce Harper, um, you know, uh, like it piece. goes to like the Bryce Harper catalog. foundation. Yeah. And the Bryce catalog, <laughs> so to catalog. speak, but, uh, like, a, like how Trevor Bauer has his, like that, like his own line. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. That's kind of how, how I, how I thought about it, but, uh, okay. But I enjoy, I enjoy the shirt. It's, it's a nice shirt and it, it feels good. So I'll continue wearing it. Uh, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, we'll get to Jimmy and Mount Holly in a second here. But real quick, I wanted to give you the odds in the NL East because I saw this come out, um, courtesy of Baseball Reference, um, on uh Monday. 
where they're giving odds of National League postseason uh, postseason odds. So not technically the division, but really the division. I mean, let's face it, no team in the NL East is getting in via wild card. Um, no team from the NL Central is getting in via wild card. I think it's pretty pretty safe bet, right? Dodgers, Giants, Padres will all end up being in the playoffs at this point. Uh, it's just a matter of who wins the division. But the odds come out, and very interesting where the Phillies fall. The Phillies are in first place in terms of their odds to win the National League East and go to the playoffs, and by a significant margin. Phillies at 45.5%. In second, the Braves with 259 In third, the Mets with 184 Nats come in at 9.3 and the Marlins uh, at 2.3. Now, Mike, what's your read on this? Is this just, this has got to be just basically strength of schedule, right? I mean, how do the Phillies have a 45.5% chance and the Mets have an 18.4? Is the, is the Mets scheduled like brutal in the second half? Well, the Phillies are more healthy right now. They are more healthy right now, but like. The Mets' two best players on the IL. But they're not expected to miss like like a month or anything, right? Like I'd imagine, you know, these IL stints probably won't be uh, too long. Well, we're in a seventy uh, game sprint, I guess here. So yeah, two three weeks could matter. But very interesting that the Phillies have those kind of odds, and with those kind of odds, how can you not look to improve? Like how can you not look to be aggressive as you go toward the trade deadline? When you have a a schedule that is favorable, I mean, I think sometimes that stuff can be overrated. But the Phillies did play a lot of the top teams in the first half of the year. They still have what two series with the Pirates, uh, two series with the Diamondbacks. Um, I believe they see Cincinnati again. I think Cincinnati comes here at some point. No, they're pretty good, Cincinnati. They they played Cincinnati twice already. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm they're a pretty good team. Gotcha. Yeah, they're a pretty good team. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, you know you look at at the way the schedule pans out here, and you look at how everything is set up. Uh, this team is set up to make a run, and I do think it would make sense for them to be aggressive at this point. The way things have, have shaken out, they have a week in September where they have seven games against the O's and Pirates. That's right. They play the O's. That's yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, they get the, the AL. And you know what's going to happen in that series? Mikey's going to go nuts. That that would be a horrible, like, a September Michael Franco, who was terrible at the end of Mikey. the seasons with the Phillies. You know he's just going to go nuts. And I was always a Michael Franco guy. I'm, I'm, I'm upset it did not work out with Mikey here. Fair to say Gabe's least favorite Philly? Yeah, Gabe did not like. Franco, I what would you think of him? I always liked Michael Franco. Yeah, my impression is that the team always like kind of indicated there they kind of wish you there was a little bit more effort, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Just it seemed like they were always generally like underwhelmed with him. Yeah, I mean, I'd bring him back as like a bench bat. I guess he wouldn't really fit on this team. You know, there's no real use for him here. Toe, just, toe is your uh, toe. your utility man at this point. Yeah, his problem too with. Uh, like going forward in his career as a bench player, is he can't play shortstop or second. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem as a utility man. When you can only play the corner, corner infield spots, 
not providing it, a lot of versatility to National League clubs. And you're not an above average hitter, so it's, you know, kind of. Yeah. But you know. he has some majestic looking homers. I mean, he does. When he gets a hold of one, it looks pretty. Okay. And it sounds nice off the bat. So that's why I like Michael. I would love for my hand to sting tonight. That would be great. 215 592 9494. If you want to get in, uh, but talking about all three teams, and I find it pretty interesting how all of them find themselves in a very similar situation where you can choose long-term and patience, or you can term sh- choose short-term and aggressiveness. Phillies with the deadline coming up. Sixers, do you trade Ben Simmons and go all in on Dame Lillard, who I do believe will not be in Portland next year. I think he's getting traded somewhere. And Eagles, do you kind of jump ahead of the line here and go after a guy like Deshaun Watson right now where the price is relatively low? I prefer aggression in all of these circumstances. I want to know how you feel about them. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Jimmy in Mount Holly. What's up, Jimmy? This is a great topic by you. I'm surprised there's not more callers like waiting to get on because this topic is a metaphor for life, meaning that there is no across-the-board answer. You have to take it on an individual case basis. So with that being said, baseball passive, football passive, basketball aggressive in the case of all the Philadelphia teams. So why would you be passive in the Eagles and, and Phillies instances, Jimmy? All right, let's start with the Phillies. First of all, I think I mentioned this to you on your great show the other night. Uh, I think we have enough already. And once we get in, baseball, as you astutely pointed out, is not like these other sports. If you can get in, you can win. I mean, the Major League Baseball is replete with examples where teams have done just that. So there is no need to be uh, irresponsibly aggressive and maybe damage your future. we got enough now in baseball. So you think this team has enough to win the division now? You think this bullpen's good enough? You think the starting rotation uh, can can do enough to get this team to the playoffs without adding anything? Yes, I do. And as a matter of fact, to me, I think we got our closer. Now, we have to keep close tabs on this. If, if Ranger Suarez were to blow another save within the week to ten days, then it's Archie Bradley time, the guy I've been preaching since day one. Now, on to the football, even if they were to get to Sean Watson, which I hope they don't. I mean, we could get into that for moral reasons, which I'm usually not that kind of a person. But when it comes to rape, I become that kind of a person. Anyway, they're just too far away to make any moves in that manner for somebody like him. And I do believe in Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, Jimmy. I mean, Jalen Hurts certainly has shown, I thought, showed a level of potential last year. I liked what I saw at the end of last year, but like, there's a reason he fell to the second round. And, and the size, the, the, the height more than anything, and the arm talent, I do think is a legit concern with him. Well, the good thing about it is it will be answered quickly because I do like this coach if he does – go through with what he says with the way he's going to tailor his offense to the skills of the people he has. And I think he has really good skills. So it's not going to take us long to see, you know, what this guy is really about. Now, as far as the Sixers, aggression, because you have to get it, have at least 
two bona fide superstars. You know, I was with Ben for the longest time. I mean, like you were and other people. I guess Mike still is with Ben. It's it's over. You got to get rid of him, and you got to get a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal in here. So you have to be aggressive where the seventy six is a concern. No question. Yeah, I agree, Jimmy. And uh, you know, I think it's one of those situations where you just don't have the time to wait. And like this is I, I, when I look at Damian Lillard, I just think this is the perfect player coming available at the perfect time. And I don't think you have many of these instances where this happens. I mean, there might be a guy that comes available in the future, but it might not be as good of a fit as Damian Lillard is. I mean, I can't count on my hand, uh, you know, five players who would fit with Joel Embiid better than Damian Lillard would. Yeah, and also, Tom, as far as, like, keeping the rest of the roster, I like the young guys. I mean, if there's some way that Daryl Morey can get rid of Tobias Harris, who I just think is not a winning basketball player. If he can manage to do that somehow and, and to get Damian Lillard in here, then that, that, to me that's the way to go where the Sixers are concerned. Yeah, no, I hear you, Jimmy, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, I, I like the Sixers' young guys, too. I'm not, I'm not like, in a hurry to get rid of Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thybul. I'm just being... Um, you know, realistic. And the bottom line is to get a guy like Lillard, if that's the route you look to go, you're going to need to give up significant value and not just Ben Simmons. Like I would, uh, if you're trading Simmons, the guy I'd most want to keep is Thibault because I think Thibault could fill a lot of the, the things that Simmons does defensively that maybe, you know, if you were to move on from Simmons, I'd rather trade a guy like Maxi than Thibel. Not that I think Thibel has a higher ceiling, but I think he'd fit better with the things you're losing if you were to deal Ben Simmons. Uh, but yeah, I think with the Sixers' aggressiveness is certainly the right way to go. And I did want to clear a couple things up uh, that Jimmy and I uh, had discussed right there. In terms of Deshaun Watson, and we'll get into it more later with you know, the specifics of the Deshaun Watson situation. But the stuff he is dealing with are civil lawsuits. These are not criminal lawsuits at this point. Um, so, you know, I think that is important to keep in mind because that's uh, going to impact his status and should impact um, the Eagles' decision there. So that is a factor that you got to mention when you talk about the situation. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And uh, I did want to uh, get to some Dave Dombrowski sound. We will do that uh, when we get back here. I also have social media uh, gripe and a social media dilemma that I wanted to run by you. So we'll do that uh, coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, AJ, we'll get to you in one second here. I did want to uh, address a couple social media issues as this is our social media segment here and um my gripe for today uh involves i guess 
semi-popular or aspiring media members um, where this is something that I, I see quite often is, you know, people with a decent amount of followers, but somewhat modest. And this isn't something I care about at all. And I guess it's kind of why it's my gripe. Like I have something like, I don't know, something like 3,600. I don't know what the follower count. And that's, that, that's not me trying to brag or anything. I'm just giving the information, but, um, like people who complain about not being verified, where they'll, they'll, they'll complain about Twitter. Like I asked to get verified and for some reason, Twitter won't verify me. Why do you care if you haven't been verified? Yeah. I, so I remember this being a thing here where, uh, remember they asked like some of us if we want to be verified and it's like the only point of being verified is if there's people pretending to be you. Exactly. Which and that, that's not happening to us. Right. And like, that's the thing. Like they, people are just want to have a blue check mark next to their name. Right. Just, I guess that does something for their self-esteem. I don't know, but like, I'm sorry. I I have a self-awareness to know that there's not people out there like masquerading as Tom right. Kelly, you know, at real Tom Kelly 44 or something like that, you know, trying to, uh, trying to either disparage me or, or act like they're me. Like, no, it has I, happened. I don't to, deal with that. It has happened to some hosts here. Sure. It happened to Glenn. And that's why Glenn is now at real Glenn Mac. Now <laughs> go give him a follow. But I'll say this, like Glenn is more famous than I am. Like right. certain people, if you deal with that side of kind of thing and Hey, maybe this will inspire somebody to go out and, and try to masquerade as me. I doubt it. But like, um, I don't need a blue check mark you know, for my self-esteem. Like, I don't need, you know, uh, that kind of security. And I feel like a lot of these people just want the blue check mark. It's not that it's not that anybody's going out pretending to be them. They just want it for their own kind of uh, self-gratification, which is kind I of wonder, on, I mean, it probably, brand with our gripes. It probably is more likely to get you follows, right? Because if people see the blue check mark, they think uh, you have Twitter credit. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of that, but like, get get the followers on your own merit. Well, you know. Yeah, I mean, how about that? Yeah, how about that? Put in the work, do the do the do the damn work. Get your followers on your own. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not gonna buy followers by getting a blue check mark next to my name. I don't do the the Hollywood stuff on Twitter, and I'm not gonna like if Twitter reached out to me and said, "Hey, we want to give you a blue check mark," and I don't know if does that does it work that way at all. Or do you have to? I, I think it? you apply, right? Okay, because if like that happened, I wouldn't like I wouldn't turn down the check mark. But I'm not. No, gonna, you should for your make the statement. Of my brand, down. yeah, <laughs> making <laughs> my brand to to be like a a, a Twitter bad boy. Yeah, I'm like a renegade. I don't want your check mark. Uh, I want to be unverified. Well, it's, yeah, people know that you know Tommy Kelly 44. That's it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Kelly, Kelly 44. 44. People know that that's the real you. So it's like. I don't know. And also, like, if you've been on Twitter for, like, long enough, we know it's you. Like, if a random account pops up with seven followers, we know that's not the real you. Right. And, like, <laughs> and if I'm, like, out there praising Carson Wentz, like, you know that's not me. <laughs> right. Like, that's clearly not me at this point. But, yeah, that that's my gripe. And another dilemma, like, uh, and I'm wondering your opinion on this, Mike. Because, like, there are certain people I like and, and you know, if I were ever to, to ever book guests or anything like that. But what do you do about, like, a guest 
that you would want to book, but their Twitter is just so like, um, you know, not not problematic, but gripe worthy. Because I feel like mm. that that can that kind of turns me off from wanting to have certain people on. And obviously, we don't have a lot of guests on this shift because it's the middle of the night. Most normal people are sleeping. But when I'm on in for Joe Giglio or the earlier portion of my 10 to 2 shift. I'll yeah, you some, had Sixers Adam on that one time. Yeah, I'll have some guests on. But, you know, if you have a Twitter that's just full of, of, of gripes. Should I should I just you know cast these people aside? Uh, you're talking about you, Ram, obviously, and I would put I him actually, on anyway. I am not talking about <laughs> no. you. I'm actually not talking about you, Ram. You only said that because you think he actually might be listening <laughs> right now. But uh, I am not talking about Dave Uram. But uh, I am wondering, like, would would that be grounds to uh, to not have people on, or would this be something that I'd want to address with them on the air? Yeah, address it head on, and you know, maybe inspire change. Okay. So, yeah, I need to get, uh, you know, when we go to break, I need to get who these candidates are. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it off the air. I don't want to throw anybody under the, under the, um, under the, uh, the, the bus on the air. And by the way, sorry, I stumbled there, but just so I got a new follower. So Timothy, thank you for, uh, for following me and on my own merit. Timothy, I'm assuming is listening to the show right now. And I got my followers, the whole the old fashioned way by by strong takes on the radio and on Twitter. I'm not buying any followers with a blue check mark here. And you're right, Mike. That's my brand. If 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 they want to verify me, screw that. No thanks. I don't want I don't want the verification. Don't need it. Exactly. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to AJ in Belmar. What's up, AJ? Hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, just give Ruben the check mark. He asked for it nicely. <laughs> did did Ruben ask for the check mark recently? He 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 has. Yes, he <laughs> he followed up with Twitter saying, you know, this is like his second or third request. And that honestly is not who I was referring to, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to go out and make a parody account of him. I mean, even though it could be but, pretty but like, easy to do so. Yeah, AJ, I would say this though, like with Ruben. I would understand it. Like, this guy's a former general manager in the major leagues. I get it more with him. I was referring to, like, some other people who nobody's impostering them. All the people that are just sports fans that think that they can become an analyst and just want to go viral. Right, right. That's their way of getting the checkmark. Exactly. uh, Anyway, reason I called, I full disclosure, I am a High Hopes Pod diseased Phillies fan. Ugh. And Jack Fritz has got me all hyped up. We're diving off the deep end. We're back in. <sighs> and well, if Jack is if Jack is back in, this is not trending in the right direction, AJ. I'll just say that. Yeah, the, the Vegas odds are already going down. Yeah. Um. So, reason I called, I want to know who are your untouchables if you know they're going all in at the deadline. My untouchable. I mean, I don't. I don't know if anybody would be untouchable. I wouldn't want to trade a guy like Bohm. Like, uh, you know, I, I, and I know that's, that's, I, I saw that at least talked about a little bit. Like, would you trade a Bohm for a Kimbrel or a Bryant if you wanted to go in that direction? I wouldn't want to trade a guy like that who's major league ready, who I think can be, you know, your either third baseman or, or first baseman of the future. So I'd say more like major league ready people like that. I'd probably not want to trade somebody like Mick Abel, um, who, 
you know, is probably your best pitching prospect, but everybody else, I don't think anybody be off limits if, if the right deal was out there. So you think they'd be able to get away with more quantity instead of quality? I'd hope so. Like, like a Mickey Moniak or an Adam Hazley or make them think that they can, you know, bring Scott Kingery back to some sort of quality. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, it, Kingery, I don't think right now has any sort of value, and that's that's kind of injured now too. So. You're right; he's injured now too, and that's what kind of hurts you with the whole Hazley thing because Hazley now I don't I don't know what kind of value he would have right now. Um, but like, I would I for the right deal, I'd trade the Bryson Stotts, I'd trade the Spencer Howards. You know, I'd move those kind of guys if the right deal was there. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't. I think. As far as untouchables go, a guy like Bohm, unless you're really making a deal that you think puts you over the top, that's the kind of guy I would not trade. Yeah, I, I agree that um, if they do, especially with Kimball and Bryant, Bohm or Stott's going to definitely be asked for. And no matter what kind of deal they make, uh, Raphael Marchand will definitely be dealt. They just have a luxury in terms of catchers as far as the system goes when you have JT at the top, but then they have Edgar Cabral, they got Rodolfo Duran, they just recently signed Ricardo Perez in the international signing. Logan Ohapi has shown that, you know, he can handle it. And um, Marchand's just a luxury in terms of sitting there behind Real Muto, so he'll, he'll make someone happy. Yeah, no doubt, and I appreciate it, AJ. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, good call, Thanks. and yeah, take it easy. And yeah, I think Marshawn is a guy who the Phillies are deep at the catcher position. Like organizationally, it's a spot where they do have a luxury, and it's a good point. I mean, I don't know the type of value a guy like that would would have, um, but yeah, I mean, that's certainly the kind of guy who you could move. Uh, but Alec Bohm, I I think. And I did see some some things flying around. Like, would you trade Bohm in a Kimbrel deal? I certainly wouldn't trade him in a Kimbrel deal. In a Bryant deal, I mean, you're not trading Alec Bohm for two months of Chris Bryant. Like, if you're trading Alec Bohm for Chris Bryant, you're re-signing Chris Bryant, and he's going to be your third baseman. Like, I'd assume that's the way that you would, would proceed here. Um, but again, like, I'm not... I'm not in a rush to trade a guy like Alec Bohm. I don't want to overreact to the season that he's having here. He's had a disappointing season, but it's only his second year in the major leagues. Uh, it's going to take some time, um, and he's not the type of guy I'd, I'd really want to move uh, hastily uh, unless you're getting a guy like Bryant and you're looking to sign him long-term. You're certainly not trading a guy like Alec Bohm for two months of Chris Bryant or two months of, of Marte or anything like that. So, um, you know, you, if, if you're going to trade a guy like that, you're doing it for somebody who you can sign long-term. But as far as the point in who would be closest to an untouchable, he'd probably be the closest to an untouchable for me, uh, along with Mick Abel, uh, the Phil's uh, top draft pick from a year ago. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. And how about this, Mike? Uh, during during that segment, I just picked up like uh, five new followers. I mean, that, that that's that's good stuff. 
Uh, but when we get back, we will start to get into this Dave Dombrowski sound here. Uh, he had some interesting things to say to John Clark on uh, John's Takeoff podcast. Uh, so we will hear from Dave Dombrowski. I see Jason is on the line, wants to talk about Deshaun Watson. So we'll get to that as well. And then if you want to get in, uh, you're welcome to join the show. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Talking about uh, the Sixers, Phillies, and Eagles tonight, and all being in similar situations where they, in their own ways right now, have the choice of short-term aggressiveness or long-term Patience. And I think in all three of these cases, you gotta be you gotta be aggressive and you gotta look at the opportunities that are in front of you right now because all of these teams are faced with opportunities that don't often come around. Like you look at where the Sixers are or, or where the Phillies are. Yeah, this isn't a great team. This is a team two games over 500, 92 games into the season, but you're not often going to be in a division that is this winnable, where nobody around you is that good. The injuries to the teams around you are significant. I mean, the Braves losing Acuna, the Mets not having Lindor and DeGrom, at least for the foreseeable future. I mean, it it looks like the odds makers in Vegas have certainly taken that into account to the point where the Mets only, by their calculations, have an 18% chance to win this division. You got to be aggressive because of the situation that you're in. Same thing with the Sixers. It's it. We all know that the playoff loss is disappointing, but things have kind of been expedited by the fact that a guy like Damian Lillard is available. If Damian Lillard's available, you got to change the way you view things. If you went into this offseason, as frustrated as we are with Ben Simmons, if there was no star player to go get, then you can't trade Ben Simmons for Colin Sexton or for Andrew Wiggins or, you know, Buddy Heald, and you'd probably just keep him. But when a player like Damian Lillard is available, you need to adjust your focus in the moment and go get that guy. And I look at the Eagles thing the same way, and the Eagles one is the most interesting to me because the Deshaun Watson situation um, is one that we really need to, to monitor here. And... There is a lot going on with him with the civil lawsuits um, in terms of when he's going to be able to play again, how long he'll be suspended for. I'd assume he will be suspended. But at the same time, Deshaun Watson's going to play in the NFL again. And whoever he plays for when he does return is going to get a a uniquely talented player that there are very few of those guys in the NFL. And it's less an indictment on Jalen Hurts. Like, I like Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has potential. But if you have the ability to go out and acquire a quarterback like that, who I think, next to Patrick Mahomes, is the most talented player at that most important position in all of sports, you go get it. And, I, you know, we look at what Howie Rosen has done this offseason. To me, this offseason reeks of Howie 
and his pursuit of Deshaun Watson, where he saw this before anybody else did. Where the and I don't think it started with Deshaun Watson in mind. It started with finding the next franchise quarterback in mind. When the Eagles knew the Carson Wentz situation was was irreparable, that they were going to get rid of him, it all became about opening cap space and acquiring draft picks to go get a quarterback. And it seems like this situation could be falling into their lap, where they have the ability to go get a Deshaun Watson. Now I understand people's moral reservations in getting a player like that. But from a strictly on-field football perspective, it would be a home run, and it's absolutely a move the Eagles should try to make if they can. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Jason in Sellersville. What's up, Jason? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Um, firstly, I'm going to tell you, I do have moral issues with Deshaun Watson, but that's not why I, I would like pump the brakes on, like, the aggressiveness which you want to go at him. Um, I think a lot of times, like when you're hearing these reports about the Eagles are interested pending his case, I think his case is actually getting swept under the rug for how serious it is. Um, I heard you just say he is going to play football again. Well, there is a criminal investigation going on. It's not like uh, it's a civil case in a bubble. Uh, there was a complaint made, you know, there the, the Houston DA, they're just waiting for the depositions, and if they have enough to charge them, they will. But, know, Jason, not- but Jason, don't you think if if that if they had what they needed that he would have been charged already? This no, is stretched because, out for a while. No, because they can uh, use that deposition testimony. Um, the only reason Bill Cosby got out was because there was an agreement. But that testimony can be used. Now, the, the people accusing him don't give their testimony till September. He doesn't give his till February. Uh, it's all it's all on the court docket. You know, it, all the dates are there. Uh, he's probably going to end up on that commissioner's list for however long. I don't know if it'll be all year or what, but nothing's happening unless he settles. Nothing's happening for him till like, through the football season. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take that chance? I mean, I, I understand there, that right now it's just a civil case, but there. There, there's nothing that they have not said they will not charge him. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, Jason, I'd take the chance. And, and uh, you know, I understand why people would have more reservations about it, but from a football perspective, even if you're trading for him and he's not playing the entire season, for the value he could provide down the line, I would, I would take that chance. Well, like I said, I, I'm thinking of down the line. I'm thinking, you know, is he going to be charged? Mm-hmm. You know, they're... There, there are no guarantees that he ever plays it down of football again right now. I mean, you think we think that you know they'll work it out and whatever, but it's not guaranteed. So, I mean, you are taking a risk if you go trade for him, and you know, it gets it, it becomes a legal matter. Yeah, know? yeah, no, I absolutely get it, Jason, and and I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your knowledge of the situation because I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not, uh, you know, an expert on. Uh, you know, the legal process in regards to to these kind of, of matters here. Uh, but I will say, like, if you could, if, and, you know, I d- got to think in terms of the way the Eagles think, and the Eagles are thinking about this from a football perspective. And I have no doubt that if the Eagles were to make a move for Deshaun Watson, they would be doing this with 
all of their research done and they'd be comfortable from a perspective that he would come in here and, you know, that he would be a guy who would not be causing issues off the field and not be getting into problems off the field. But if that were the case, I got to think of this from a football perspective, which is how I'm sure the Eagles are thinking about it. And if you, and the way Howie Roseman views these kind of things where he looks to take advantage of assets at a value that is advantageous to him, whether it is selling high like he did with Sam Bradford or buying low, which he has done in the past in certain situations. And from a football perspective, if you could trade, if the Eagles right now could trade to Houston, say a first and a, and a third, with no guarantee that Deshaun Watson would ever play for them, to me that would be worth it. To me that would be worth the risk. That is how talented he is as a player. And I do think it's a situation that the Eagles are, are monitoring closely. And NFL insiders around the league are talking about this and are talking about the Eagles. And here was Adam Schefter uh, last week. I believe this was on, uh, it was either Get Up or NFL Live. I think it was Get Up. Uh, But here was Adam Schefter talking about the Eagles specifically in regards to Deshaun Watson. And it's why I think Howie Roseman did a lot of things that he did last offseason, and not necessarily with Deshaun Watson in mind, but having in mind the fact that we might need to go get a franchise quarterback because you can't be sure about Jalen Hurts. You just can't. And here was more uh, on Get Up. This was Mike Tannenbaum sitting down with um, with our favorite guy, Greeny, on Get Up. Uh, here was Tannenbaum when asked, uh, asked by Greeny about Deshaun Watson. But to Shefty's point, if and when that is resolved and he is eligible to play again, you were telling me this morning that it's it's something of an open secret in league circles that Philly is a likely destination? No question about it, Greeny. If you think about their situation, they have three number one picks. I put them absolutely number one to try to acquire Deshaun Watson. He would make them an instant contender for years to come if they could get that done. Ironically, the other two teams, in my opinion, are Carolina and Miami. And Miami and Philadelphia made a trade shortly before the draft where Philadelphia has Miami's first round pick next year. That may tip the balance in terms of they have a little bit more ammunition than Miami does to try to get Deshaun Watson. So if, as you mentioned, if 
the situation gets cleared up criminally and civilly, there's no question in my mind, Philly's at the top of the list, and I would expect them to be very aggressive to try to get Watt. And I do think they'll be aggressive. I talked to Howard the other night when I was on with him. Howard thinks this is a situation that the Eagles are are continuing to pursue. And from a p- football perspective, they should. Like, And I get if you don't want Deshaun Watson on the team, I, I get if you're morally conflicted about having him. Um, but from a football perspective, there's no doubt in my mind that this is something the Eagles should try to make happen if they can. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, I heard your, um, your uh, social media gripe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, I always like to reference Seinfeld. You know, you know what it, it it, when people get that blue check mark, it's like when uh, George Costanza got the toupee and his attitude changed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good comparison. <laughs> when people get the blue check mark, they they they, they kind of turn into kind of d baggish, don't they? Yeah, it's like uh, it, well, I don't understand why a blue check mark makes people think more highly of themselves. I don't know why they feel the need to have one. Like, what does it do for you? other than give you, you know, some sort of personal satisfaction. Because again, like like Mike had brought up, the the point of the blue check mark is for people who are really high profile, who have people yeah. out there impersonating them on Twitter. The people I see crying about not having a blue check mark, nobody wants to impersonate you or pretend, yeah. you know, they're you. You just want it because you want to look cool. Yeah, and it kind of makes them narcissistic too. It's like, you know, now that I have this check mark, anything that I put out there, people will believe me. So I think they're actually less, um, they're less rigorous and they're less um, diligent in like actually putting legitimate stuff out there. They kind of just they kind of just roll with the punches. I actually trust people less when they get the blue check mark. <laughs> how, about, how about that? Yeah, no, I know. I I agree, Mike. I think um, there are some people that that. You know, they have the check mark, but it really doesn't mean anything. Like, great, yeah. you have a blue check mark, you're still uh the same person you were before. Yeah. So anyway, um I was gonna actually make another Seinfeld reference, but I don't I don't think it's uh PG for oh, okay. uh, the air. But I, <laughs> it, it's a reference to uh you know, the, the get up segment and how I would feel if the Eagles acquired Deshaun Watson. Uh, okay. <laughs> but um no, but in all seriousness, like like you said, there's a lot of um, stuff going on in Philadelphia sports, and I think, you know, I've always said, like, the one thing fans, the only thing fans really ask for is hope. Um, you know, it showed that during the process when the team sucked, but fans still tuned in because they knew that there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, and it gave the, the, the fans hope for the first time in a long time. Um, if if the general – there's kind of that, um, you know, perg- well, kind of in that middle zone right now where – Fans are starting to get hope again, and I don't think they're ready to completely dive in 100%, but I think fans are starting to see you know, a light at the end of the tunnel and go, okay, even though things are mediocre in Philadelphia sports right now, you have a bunch of teams who within the next several months could, uh, could really turn things around really quickly. That's why you know, I think it's, it's imperative that these general managers come through uh, because if, if they, like, especially teams like the Eagles and, and Sixers, I think the Phillies are kind of their own thing. But if, like, Maury were to come, you know, and fail again after the, the Harden thing, whether it was his fault or not, regardless, but he can't go over two. If he's to, if he's to fail in Lillard, if Lillard's available, and then if Howie Roseman isn't able to get Watson, if Watson officially goes on the market, man, it's going to be morbid in the city, isn't it? Yeah, and especially, Mike, because I think most people, like, I, I honestly expect, and maybe this is the fan of me, 
I expect both to happen. Like, I expect Howie to get Watson. I expect Daryl Morey to get Damian Lillard. And honestly, if those things don't happen, I'm going to be disappointed because the opportunities out there, and I look at I look at the stage where both teams are and the needs that they have, they're like, it's the right time to make those moves. Yeah, and two of the teams, being the Sixers and the Phillies, are in crappy divisions. So, like... Remember, Andy Reid was an amazing coach. I think he's one of the, probably the three or four greatest coaches in NFL history. With that said, he certainly benefited from being in a terrible division for all those years. Um, I remember how bad that all those teams were back then when the Eagles were winning, like they won like what, five straight divisions or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it's kind of like in a somewhat similar situation. I don't know if it's quite as bad, but I mean, look at how terrible the National League East is. And then last year, the Eagles were like in the worst division in NFL history. Now, I think the NFC East is going to be markedly improved, but still, it's not like it's the NFC West or anything. So not only can you capitalize on moves, but you're in a position where if you make the right moves, you could rule your division for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think the NL East will be better as the years go on here. Like, I think if the Mets come back healthy, the Braves come back healthy and and make some additions, they'll be better. But yeah, I think certainly you look at a team like the Eagles where winning the division is your easiest path to the postseason. You get a guy like Watson, you immediately, I think, become probably the favorite to win that division uh, most years, if not every year. And and like I don't think that division is going to be significantly improved. I think Dallas is the most talented team, but you know Washington I still don't think has a quarterback, and, and the Giants I don't think have a quarterback or a head coach. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah, their quarterbacks stink. Yeah. Uh, but I do think um, even though the Mets are leading the division, uh, I think a, a big reason why the odds are, I'd, frankly, I, I, don't, I don't think their talent's all that good. Uh, I think they're the fourth. If all teams were 100% healthy, I think they're the fourth most talented team in the division. Uh, obviously, they have a nice pitching staff, but the rest of the roster, is, it's, it's utter trash. I mean, the, the Mets are not a talented baseball team. They're just not. Um, and if the Phillies were to acquire a couple pieces of the deadline, uh, they could absolutely win this division. Now, granted, like I said, they have to go all in. They can't just buy one reliever and call it a day. Um, and then with the Sixers, actually, I, I, I thought of a funny scenario. It, I would... <laughs> It would kind of be a little bit masochistic to find it funny, but at the same time, I think you could find humor in it, ready? So say hypothetically, Damian Lillard comes out in a couple weeks and says, um, I've talked with ownership, I've talked with upper management, I want to remain a Portland Trailblazer, okay? I want to remain a Portland Trailblazer, I'm not going anywhere, right? So Maury goes, all right, I'm going to pivot to plan B. So say Maury trades for C.J. McCollum, and then he sends Simmons to the Portland Trailblazers, and then the next day Lillard comes out and he says, I wanted to get traded. <laughs> Oh well, that would be that would be the worst case scenario, Mike. There's no way that uh, Maury's trading Simmons for C.J. McCollum. Though. Yeah, I like, don't think so either. But yeah. I just thought that that would be funny because you know, obviously, there's still like a bunch of hardcore uh, Simmons truthers in the city right now, and I do find it funny that if they would have tra- if they trade Simmons to Portland for McCollum, and then Lillard says, "I don't want to play with this dude now. I want out," and then the Sixers can't trade for him since they already yeah. <laughs> traded Simmons to Portland. I think that would be like a, that would be like a really funny scenario. And obviously, I'm just you know I'm being partly facetious here, um, but. If the Sixers were to trade uh, Lillard, is there a line in the sand you would draw where you say, I'm not, this is uh, as much as I'm willing to give up and I'm not going above that? Or would you literally give the entire farm for, for Lillard? Mike, I think I'd give everything. Like, everything short of Embiid, I just, like, it, it's it's the perfect player at the perfect time. And the Sixers need need to do this. Like, you need to give Joel Embiid his running mate now. You can't wait another year. And, like, I don't even know where 
the line would be like I, I well, how think, about this ready yeah Simmons Maxi Thibel three firsts and two swaps would you do all of that I would I'd do it that, I'd do I, it. I mean I, I would definitely consider it now obviously I wouldn't learn in the worst way but um I probably lean toward yes but that is a massive haul to give up like that you know you could probably get like any play, like if obviously not every player in the league is on the trade block, but it, you know, if it's like, for example, like if a Steph Curry was put on the trade block or something like that, like that's the type of haul that you could get like Steph Curry with. Like right. that's that, a, a colossal offer. It is. But Mike, like if the, you got to look at it, I think as if it works out, these picks are going to be in the twenties anyway. So obviously you're taking a significant risk there because it could blow up and B could get hurt. Um, and you know, it could blow up in your face, but I think worst case scenario, uh, it it does kind of go that direction. You'd end up trading Lillard, hopefully getting not that kind of hole, but a decent hole back to rebuild. But I, I think at this point, you'd have to take that kind of a risk. And you know what? I'd probably do it too, but you know what? It's funny. The thing that would deter me somewhat or make me hesitate, it has nothing to do with the Sixers. Like, I think Lillard would make the Sixers a tremendous team. You know what it is? I'm not sure if Lillard on the Sixers makes the Sixers better than the Nets. Like that, like, could you imagine if the Sixers went on for a player and then they just couldn't get past the Nets because the Nets were too good? No, I know obviously you can't think that way. You have to go for it. But still, like, that's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Like, like you, you look at the playoffs right now, Tom. The Nets gave the Bucks the toughest fight so far in the playoffs. And the Nets only had Kevin Durant and a bunch of role players for, like, almost the entire series. So. When they get all those guys back, they're going to be a force. And I'm not sure if Lillard on the Sixers even makes them close to the Nets. Like right now, if both teams were 100% healthy, say you put Lillard on the Sixers right now and you give up Maxie and Thibel and Simmons and all that, I don't think that series goes six games. Now, you got to – well, you don't hope for injuries, but you know what I'm getting at. Like you have to hope that the Nets, you know, they're, they're not able to win or be, play at the level that everybody hopes, but they're in the way. And the Sixers are going to have to beat them with or without Lillard. Yeah, no doubt about it. I appreciate yeah, it, Mike. Thanks. And yeah, that is that is certainly a factor. Is the Nets? If the Nets are, uh, I'm pretty confident saying, if the Nets have those three guys healthy next year for the playoffs, they probably win the championship. If the Nets had those three guys healthy this year for the playoffs, they would have won the championship. If the Nets had two of those three guys healthy this year, I think they would have coasted to the championship. So yeah, that's certainly a concern. But, like, with Joel Embiid in his prime, I'm not content to just sit back and not try. And I think you can look at Daryl Morey's history with the Rockets, where when most teams in the league were sitting back, kind of waiting out the Golden State run, waiting for Kevin Durant to get bored and leave Golden State, Daryl Morey was aggressive, went out, got Chris Paul, and tried to challenge them with Houston. And I think he would react similarly here uh, going up against Brooklyn. I don't think Daryl Morey's just going to sit and wait, just think, oh, well, you know, look at look at how good the Nets are. We don't have a chance. We're not going to try. Doesn't that trade make you have less of a chance of getting past the, ne- the Nets, though? I don't think so. You just have I mean, less guys to, like, stop them. Yeah, but you need you need guys who can score with them. Like, and, and it's a philosophical difference in our thinking in terms of the playoffs, and we, we, we talked about it, like, I think you need more guys who can make big shots at the end of games. And if you don't have that, like, I just don't think you're shutting down those three guys. I don't think you're winning that series with defense. I think you're winning that series uh, with with shot makers. And you need guys who can score with that team. I wouldn't say the Bucks won it with shot making, though. Like, like I think, like, there is something to 
team defense. Yeah, I mean, but but you'd agree, right, that if the Nets had one of those other guys healthy, they pretty easily win that series because they have another guy who can make big shots, right? Like, I wouldn't say pretty easy. I mean, it was 2-1 when Irving got hurt. Right, but he got hurt. When did he get hurt? In the middle of game four? Yeah, that's how I yeah. remember it. And they won those first two games, but, like, you look at game six and game seven in that series, uh, mm-hmm. Durant was was tremendous, but if they have Kyrie or Harden, uh, you well, know, and, and Harden, and Harden, Harden, Harden was on, 100%, yeah. Harden was on the floor, but but he was a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. I don't I I, th- I think the Nets win that series pretty easily. It, the way I saw it. Yeah, I, I I just at that point it's not easily if you're winning in 6 or 7, but I you're right, they probably win. Yeah. They probably win. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 going to be interesting, but that isn't a, a factor when you look at it is Brooklyn, you know, as much as I think Lillard would make the Sixers significantly better and more championship ready, Brooklyn is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And if they have all three of those guys healthy, that's going to be something you're going to have to contend with. Now, you know, I think Lillard's health is something that's more reliable than Harden and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is liable. Like Kyrie Irving, who knows? Kyrie Irving could just retire any day now. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But, I mean, you know, Kyrie, sometimes he takes his mental health uh, days, you know. Um, I, I I think Kyrie's largely unreliable. And James Harden, you know, the way he takes care of his body is something that's been an issue and, and I don't think is going to become less of an issue as he gets older. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit back and just, you know, wait this team out. I think you'd have to challenge them. You'd have to go for it, and you have to try to do whatever you can do uh, to beat them now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. When we get back, we will get to some of this Dave Dombrowski stuff as he joined John Clark. Uh, And Dave Dombrowski talking about what he sees the Phillies doing. As they head toward the trade deadline, we'll get uh, we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Phillies back in action tonight as they will take on the Yankees. Uh, who's pitching for the Yankees tonight? Do we know? Uh, it's Knowles for the Phils. I think it's a Nola Domingo Herman rematch. Oh, did they pit? Did they uh, square off earlier this year? Yeah, June thirteenth, I believe. June thirteenth. All right. Was that a Sunday afternoon? Sunday afternoon. There we go. Uh, so, are you going to be making the trek up to New York tonight? No, I'm going to the Deer District. We <laughs> not. That would be funny if you were flying out there and fly, flying back for the show. But yeah. what, we, what we should have done, and this could have been a great boots on the ground report where we could have gone and taken in the ball game together. We could have gotten That's Ricky true. to get us those sweet diamond club level seats right behind him. He would have plate. loved to have done it. He would have. Ricky Ricky loves, uh, you know. Um, He's always a gracious host. He is a gracious host. And he, he was very happy about getting you those tickets. And hey, you know. Flaunt it when when you can go and get those kind of tickets to Yankee Stadium. And that Ricky has some some legit pool. But that would have been would have been good stuff. You and I out there reporting, taking in a ball game together, and then what, taking the train back and doing the show? 
uh, tomorrow night. That would have been great. Yeah, I wonder how long we could, how, what time if we left. Say the game ends 1030. Would we have made it here in time? That would have been. Oh, I mean, of course, right? I mean. Wh- yeah, I guess. How, how do, now when you went up there, well, did no, you I, drive well, or did you well, take yeah, the I forgot, you're not on until, t- I'm here at midnight. Right, that's true. Yeah, I'm not on until 2, um, but I usually get here at midnight, uh, but I don't need to. But um, you wouldn't want to go, though, because you got to watch your you got to watch your, your bucks tonight. I do, yeah. That's you why I'm, you know, I'd love to go to the Deer District, but, you know. Now, you, can you give me a, cl- a timing issue. clarification on your bet, though? Uh, only plus 1,200 on yeah, the value. Yeah, 1,200. That's I'd... still good value, though. Yeah. I'm not I mean, going to ask you what you put on it, but, you know, it's a nice, nice, little, nice little value regardless of what you put on it. So I good, agree. good stuff. Um, but uh, Phils and Yanks tonight up at New Yankee Stadium, um, which I've never been to. I've never been to either Yankee Stadium, but I'd like. Well, to- I think this is Yankee Stadium the third. Oh, really? I believe so. Now, is it is it technically called New Yankee Stadium or is it just Yankee Stadium? It's just it's uh, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've never been there. I'd like to get up there. Get up there at some point, um, but. Um, we'll, we'll see if I ever gain the energy to, to, to go. We would have had more time to figure out a trip if, uh, we had a three game series instead of two. I, exactly. I I don't know why the Phillies didn't play last night. This MLB schedule this season has been idiotic. Uh, but a night of no baseball, the Mets did play, uh, and they won 15 to 11 in a slugfest against the Cincinnati Reds. So, uh, and we have some stuff from the Mets broadcast. We're going to have to get to a little later on as, uh, Gary Cohen, who is back in the seat after taking the weekend off? Um, was was came back a little cranky. He did. He was pretty critical of a uh, of a Cincinnati delicacy. Uh, so we'll get to that sound uh, a little later on in the show, as this is, I guess, a big week for us uh, breaking down uh, the Mets broadcast. Uh, weirdly, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, but I did want to get to some sound here from Dave Dombrowski. Is Dave Dombrowski joined John Clark? Heard the morning show talking about it yesterday. John Clark is doing phenomenal things with his podcast, getting guests. He got Danny Green. Danny Green said some interesting things. Obviously, some stupid things. I think last week in regards to the fans here and their treatment of Ben Simmons. Um. He had Doug a while back. Doug had talked about a lot of different issues with Carson Wentz, what went wrong with the Eagles this past year, and his latest uh, big get on takeoff was Dave Dombrowski, Philly's president of baseball operations. Not the GM, as many people call him. That's Sam Fold, but we don't really know what Sam Fold does on a day-to-day basis here because nobody ever nobody ever mentions him. Well, he sometimes fills out the lineup cards. There you go. Well, that's an important job. Um, but Dave Dombrowski had joined John Clark, and he talked a little bit about the trade deadline as we head up here. So here we are, Phil's two and a half games back with, you know, less than half the season of play, and they're approaching the trade deadline, and they are legitimately in the race here. And again, it's less about what they've done. It's more about what's going on around them. But here they are uh as they approach the deadline, and John Clark asked Dave Dombrowski whether his mindset going up to July 31st was would the Phillies sell or would they buy? Here was Dave Dombrowski's answer. If the trade deadline is tomorrow, are you a buyer or a seller? 
Well, I mean, I, when they say we're not selling, I mean, we're not we're not in a position where we're looking to move players off our team now. If you're in a position and anything can happen in 10 days or two weeks, I mean, if all of a sudden, and I, I don't like to take this scenario and don't think on the next, if you lose 10 games in a row, well, that might be one thing that's a little bit different. Or if you win 10 games in a row, it's a little bit different. But we're in a position where we're in this and we're going to try to make our club better here um, over the next time period. And it makes sense. And it's really the only course of action that you can have at this point when you're in this position. Like the Phillies did not expect to be here considering the way they've played. And let's be honest, I don't really feel like they've earned the opportunity to be as close to a playoff spot as they are. But because of the division, they have found themselves in this position where they are enabled to buy and they should buy when you're two and a half games out on July 20th, you need to be aggressive. So the, the next question becomes to what extent, do you look to buy, and what do you look to add? Here was uh, Dave Dombrowski on where the Phillies' limits might be. Secondly, I think you have to be reasonable. Um, you want to get there, but you don't also, and I'll just use an example, our number one draft choice from last year. You can't trade your number one draft choice from this year. Mick Abel. Well, we're not looking to trade him where we are at this point and probably never looking to trade him. He's got that type of a value and ability that he can be a really a number one type starter, starting pitcher down the road. So I think you weigh what are people asking for in return. Um, where are you at that particular moment? Things change a lot. I mean, we are five games under 500 two weeks ago. Now we're back to 500 and um, climbing a little bit, hopefully. So you weigh all those things and you make the decision at that particular time. And I mean, that tells me they're going to be aggressive, but uh, it would also tell me Mick Abel is probably not going to be in trade conversations here and that's understandable you know you can't just give up everything especially when you have a farm system that is not very strong and you know I don't think I don't think I don't read that as a in he's completely off limits but it would have to be like the perfect deal it would have to be for a guy that they legitimately think could get them over the top as far as being World Series contenders, and I'm not sure that guy's out there for this team. But, you know, when you get into the playoffs in Major League Baseball, it's different than other sports. Like, you get into the playoffs in the NBA, that doesn't mean a whole lot. In the NBA, you go into each year, and this year was, I think, a little more unique because of the compressed schedule, because teams coming out of the bubble, that more teams had an opportunity. But typically, you go going in, into an NBA season, and at most, there are like seven, eight teams who you think legitimately have a chance to win a championship. And of the 16 teams, now I guess you can say 20 teams, that make the playoffs uh, in the NBA, very few of them actually have a legitimate opportunity to win a championship. It's not that way in baseball. In baseball, all 10 teams that end up playing in the postseason could get on a run and win. We've seen it in the past with the Nationals in 2019 where, I mean, they're down in the seventh inning of a wild card game. They find a way to win that game. They go on a run and win the World Series. We see it with the Phillies back in 2011 where they take on the Cardinals who squeak into the playoffs. Cardinals get hot in the postseason. And they end up winning the World Series. And here was Dave Dombrowski on that aspect of 
uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs and how that plays in to the Phillies' thinking. First of all, and I've always been of this and been in postseason many times with clubs, once you make it, anything can happen. And if you're in a position, for example, with our club, in any short series, if you go in there with Wheeler, Nola, Eflin all throwing well, and they all have the capabilities to do that, you can beat anybody. It doesn't matter how good or bad a team you are. You can, can beat anybody. So if you make the postseason, it's extremely important. And I've been on clubs that we've had a much better record than the club that beat us in the postseason. And so first thing is you try to get there. And, you know, you got to try to get there. And once you get in, anything truly can happen. So the Phillies look toward the deadline here, and it then becomes a question of what do you really need? I think anybody who's watched this team knows that the pitching staff is the biggest point of weakness, where whether it's a starter, whether it's the bullpen, that is theoretically where you'd want to improve. Um, Here's Dave Dombrowski on the struggles the bullpen has gone through in the first half of the year. I mean, I, first of all, I think we're, when talking to people, we're much better this year with the ability out there than we were last year. Um, the results, though, speak for itself in the sense that we really went through a tough time. And it's, it's like a lot of things. When you're going through a tough time period, it's hard to get out no matter what happened out there. It was almost impossible to look that we would blow a save day after day there for a while. But I think the ability has started to step up a little bit more like Suarez with Bradley, with... Um, Alvarado, um, even Neris, now that he's out of the closer's role, has been pitching better. Kinsler's throwing the ball better. Brogdon's throwing the ball better. So, but it's, I mean, it's a situation that you looked upgrade. We upgraded it. It still hasn't performed as high a level as we had hoped, and it's an area that you're always looking to upgrade as you're in a pennant race. And it's a spot that, that, that if the Phillies can, that's the area you'd really like to improve, is you'd like to improve that bullpen. Like, I personally don't have a lot of faith in a guy like Brandon Kinsler in getting big outs toward the end of a season in September and in the postseason. Same with a guy like Connor Brogdon. Like I don't feel great about these guys in big spots and that's where you would like to improve if you can. Here's more from Dabrowski on the closer role and whether there's a legit upgrade out there uh, over a guy like Ranger Suarez. Well, right now, um, and we're talking at a time in which we lost the lead yesterday, but Ranger Suarez has been outstanding for us. I mean, if you acquired somebody and you said they were putting up the numbers that Ranger Suarez have put up so far this year, you'd be ecstatic. So um, I think that we can close internally, and there are very few closers that would be out there that would be available that would be a tremendous upgrade over what we had. I think our bullpen is starting again to settle in a little bit more with, with Suarez out there. Bradley stepping up. Neris in a different position. Alvarado hopefully throwing more strikes. But some of those other guys have helped us a great deal. Even a guy like Bailey Falter, who doesn't get much attention, has really done a good job for us. So we're in a position that can we get better? For sure. Are we in a position you say, oh, we can't win with who we have out there? I, I don't know that that's the case. And, I mean, I think... There are a few guys who are volatile in the bullpen and can pitch well, but having legitimate faith in them come playoff time is a a risky proposition. You know, I like Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, I don't view as a legitimate closer in the major leagues at this point. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, at the beginning of the season, we didn't even know if this guy was a major leaguer. 
he started at times. You thought maybe he's a long man, and that's really what he was, was the designated piggyback pitcher for Spencer Howard earlier on in the year. To just say that, okay, Ranger Suarez is our starter now, and there aren't a bunch of legitimate upgrades from that, I don't view that the same way that Dave Dombrowski does, and I think there are upgrades, but you got to have guys that you can legitimately go get for prices that you can afford. And, you know, I, I, I thought this comment from Dombrowski was interesting, and I, I want to talk about a little bit about this afterwards because it takes two to make the right deal. And the Phillies do have a lot of areas where they need to improve, but here was Dave Dombrowski on uh, the areas that Phillies could possibly improve at the deadline. I think we're in a position that we can get better in a few places by all means. Um, we don't have a perfect ball club. There is no perfect club, but we can get better in a, in a couple spots. Um, I think I'll kind of leave that at that that's position that, hey, we, we have areas that we can address and improve, and we'll just wait to see because some of it is a is also availability of players. Now, you could just pick, um, uh, let's just say, um, which we don't need, as you can say, number one starting pitcher. We don't need that. We have Wheeler. But then you're in a position to say, well, who's available that's a number one starting pitcher? Well, maybe there's nobody that particular year, or the price of that acquisition would be so high that you would not even think of doing it. So then you kind of have your alternatives on what you're trying to do. And that's a really interesting part of this, because I had this conversation with Al on the Overlap Show yesterday, where you look at the pitching staff, and and ideally, that is where the Phillies would add, is that they could add in the bullpen, they could add in the starting rotation, and they could get pitching to bolster themselves as they head toward the stretch run and into the playoffs. But if you find yourself in a situation where, say, there's a dearth of pitching available at the deadline. And to get either an elite closer like a Kimbrel or to get a starter who can really help you, you'd have to pay, you know, double the price. And it's such a competitive marketplace where you'd have to spend a lot in terms of prospects and you'd have to overpay for one of those types of players. Or... You could address another area of your team that's not as big a need, but you're paying fair market value. What do you do in that instance? Like, if you have to overpay for a Kimbrel, or you can pay market value for a Starling Marte, is it a better option to just go get a bat like a Marte and... You know, just try to outslug your way to the playoffs and try to outhit teams instead of addressing your serious issues of need. And I think that's a really interesting part of this and something the Phillies are going to have to look at because there is an argument to be made here that if you are a team in the Phillies position where you don't have a deep farm system and you can't just afford to keep trading away a ton of prospects because you don't have a lot of prospects to bring up that have developed to take those spots in the organization. Maybe it does make sense to add a bat if the price for that is going to be lower than a price for pitching. Because it does seem, as we head toward the deadline here, like pitching is going to be a seller's market. Everybody needs bullpen pieces. Everybody needs starters. 
not everybody needs, you know, a starting quality center fielder. Obviously it can help teams, but most teams who are competitive have that position on their team pretty well filled. You know, most competitive teams at this point in the season have a center fielder that they can rely on. And I want to know from you out there, like, if you get to this situation where the Phillies could overpay for bullpen help or starting pitching help, or they could pay, pay a fair, lower price for a big-time bat like a Starling Marte, is that the option that you go? I kind of lean toward that way as well. Like, I would rather have pitching because I think that's the bigger area of need with this team. I think the offense is good enough, even though they are inconsistent. Um, But if you could pay less to get a better player offensively, and you'd have to overpay to get a pitcher who's not quite as reliable, I tend to think I might want to just improve the offense and try to outslug teams. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215 592-9494. What's your thoughts on that? Because we know that pitching is the Phillies' biggest area of need. But if you'd have to overpay for a big-time pitcher, is it a better option to pay a lower price, pay a fair market value for a bat that could strengthen this offense and you could just try to outslug teams and get by with the pitching that you have? 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, when we get back, I need to talk about what happened down at Lincoln Financial Field on uh, Monday because I, I I saw this story and I couldn't believe it. Uh, I couldn't believe what had been visible down at the link for the last five months. And we'll talk about that when we return and the egregious job by the Philadelphia Eagles for allowing this uh, to still be present. For the last five months. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, I have picked up several followers throughout the course of the show tonight, so I appreciate all of my loyal Twitter followers out there uh, giving me the old follows the old-fashioned way. Loyal? You got them 10 minutes ago. They're loyal now. That like that's the way we roll in the uh, the TK hive. And it, I never uh, got to tell you off the air, Mike. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the person who I am considering barring from being uh, a future guest on the show because their their timeline is so gripe worthy. So remind me to uh, yes. to get that to you in the next in the next segment here. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, I do my social media gripe every day at two forty and. Um, I've made the decision that whether Twitter wants to give me one or not, I'm going to be an unverified bad boy on Twitter uh, because I'm tired of people going out there complaining that they want their blue check mark uh, because they don't need it. 
you don't need a blue check mark. And and apparently I did check. Ruben Amaro had been uh, asking for his check mark. But I agree with Mo Ruben's scenario. I mean, he's a public figure who legitimately, I guess, could um, have people trying to impersonate him. Nobody's trying to impersonate me. Uh, most of the people were out there crying for their check mark. Nobody's trying to impersonate you. You just want to look cool. You think that blue check mark gives you some sort of status and it's you just want to be above other people you don't need it so i'm tired of people crying about not having their blue check mark and i don't want one that's the decision i've i've made uh and if twitter tries to give me one which i highly doubt they will uh i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it down i don't know how i'd go about doing that um but I do not want to blue check mark and anybody who wants to follow me because I want to get my followers the old fashioned way. I don't want to do it by being a verified account at Tommy Kelly 44 uh, is where you can find me on Twitter. Um, I did see an interesting thing from in- from Instagram. Um, Mike, do you know who Travis Scott is? Are you familiar uh, with him? Uh, rapper? Yes, he is a rapper. Yeah. Um, and he is the significant other of, uh, of Kylie Jenner. Okay. Uh, did not know that one. Yes. I believe they have a child together actually. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> this is a weird pairing. I just saw this and I, I figured I'd bring it up. Travis Scott, um, sent out a picture on Instagram, a selfie of him and, of uh, what appears to be his friend who he's hanging out with. Do you, would you venture to guess who that is? You'll never guess. So I might. Uh, sports world? Yes, sports world. Baseball world. Why don't you take a guess? Mm, A-Rod. No. Uh, Want to go one more? Uh, current, or act, or current or retired? Uh, current. Joey Votto. <laughs> Joey Votto. <laughs> Rob Manfred. What? Apparently, yeah, apparently Travis Scott is boy. It looks like they're in the club, like partying it up in like a private room or something. But uh, I guess that's speculation on my part. They just look like they were in a bright place. Um, so I'm assuming it's a club. Uh, but yeah, Travis Scott and Rob Manford. Who would have thought? What an odd couple uh, those two guys make. I wouldn't have. I what? wouldn't have. Yeah. What? I wouldn't have had Manford partying it up with Travis Scott. Um, so. Uh, just, just figured I'd bring that one up. Not, not the, not the type of life I think Rob Manfred would, uh, would lead. I just figured Rob Manfred's a guy when he's not ruining baseball and and bringing back, uh, relic rules from the past, like nine inning games and. Oh and, my God, nine innings! <laughs> the nine innings they don't have a problem with, but getting rid of the zombie runner is a terrible idea. Um, but Rob Manfred, I, I didn't figure he'd be hanging out with Travis Scott, so. Just a, a little interesting uh, post that I saw there. Yeah, um, he, he seems more like a Springsteen guy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like every uh, Springsteen is like the uh, the 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 favorite artist of I'd say any what forty five to sixty five year old sports journalist. That is like the Bruce Springsteen sweet spot right there. Where anybody in that age range, especially in this sort of profession, they love Bruce Springsteen. I don't get it. I the, mean, I, I think all the songs sound the same, honestly. What the Big Daddy, Kevin Cooney, yeah, yeah, that kind of that that kind of um of grouping. Uh, but I'll have to I'll have to ask Al during the overlap. I, I I don't think Al would be really a Springsteen guy. Maybe I mean Al likes all sorts of music. 
Um, and maybe he'll he'll chastise me about my lack of appreciation for 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 the boss. Um, but I'm not a big boss. Boss saw he's the one who do, did that riding with the king song, right? No, that's Eric Clapton. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, I thought maybe that was that was Bruce Springsteen because uh, that that's the song that always plays us in when I'm riding with the king uh, on Thursday nights. You know, I I, oh, I can't kill you too much for that. I, I can kind of hear why you thought that would be Springsteen because how like kind of st- has weird that, the vocals are. Yeah, that kind of same vocal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like I, I that see that it's not that hard to do a Springsteen impression. <laughs> I think that was actually pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, just kind of like a, a, I don't know if it's whiny, but I don't. Know, I, yeah, I probably it's could, like uh, it's like too much grunting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't like the Pearl Jam guy either. What's his name? Eddie Vedder. Eddie, yeah, Eddie, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of not a big fan of him. Either. The first Pearl Jam. Yeah, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, but I did want to. Uh, I, I couldn't believe this when I saw it on Monday, and this is just. I don't know if this was an oversight, but I don't know how you can not see it. I mean, you literally probably see it every day. If you're going to the Novacare complex, go to work. But there were all these images on Monday of the Eagles taking down the Carson Wentz banner from the link on Monday. How the hell was that thing still up for the last five months or six months? When did Carson Wentz get traded? The middle of February? Was it was it it was after the Super Bowl, right? It had to be after the Super Bowl. I want to say it was like the 18th. Okay. I remember it was a snowstorm that day because I remember I had to um, go out and shovel and I saw that Carson Wentz got traded and I'm like, oh, thank God, finally, um, Carson Wentz is gone and we don't have to don't have to worry about about him anymore, talk about him anymore. Um, but how did the Eagles have the banner up of a guy who got traded five months ago this entire time and not take it down? Was this just pure laziness i mean there's no other excuse right how do you have that up for so long i i, I don't it, it truly I, I'm, I'm, I, I have I, i'm baffled i have no there's no explanation for why this is something that, that that should have been the case and especially such a high profile player any player is not on the team i just figured immediately a guy gets traded if you have something up like that you go through the entire stadium and you take down like any signage regarding him. This is like a massive billboard. I don't know if it was facing 95 or if it was facing uh, Patterson Avenue or what, 8th Street, whatever uh, streets around the stadium there, Darien Street. Um, but I, there's no explanation for this. And it's a terrible job by the Eagles organization that they would have this up for so long. Uh, a player got traded a player who pretty much forced his way out. I don't get it. I don't get how that's something they could have left up for this period of time. It's it's truly insane. How long after uh, his trade to Washington do you think they left Five's banner up? Oh, they probably took it down right away. And Five, you know, you legitimately uh, could have left that up for a little bit, show appreciation for a great Eagle. Like, Donovan's a better Eagle than Carson Wentz. There's no doubt about that. More yeah. longevity. Yeah. No, um, he is. More wins um, and a better leader uh, as well. But 
Um, the Carson Wentz banner comes down after all this time, and I just I, I really don't have a whole lot else to add to it other than I I am baffled as to why this thing has been up uh, since he got traded. Um, but the debate was breaking out, like, what should replace it? It's got to be, like, the moment Brandon Graham stripped Tom Brady, right? That's what should replace that billboard, right? Like, what, what, how can that not be the big thing you have on the Lincoln Financial Field Stadium? I don't, do they ever involve, like, like another team in it? Like, let alone, like, you know, the GOAT? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's the biggest play in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, it is. I just, it seems like a, doesn't seem like a fit for, like, what you'd, something you'd see on a stadium. Well, right? if it was a player, what player would you, uh, would you put up there at this point? Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Cox is probably their best player, I would say. Yeah, one of those guys, but um, certainly, certainly not Carson Wentz. Um, and I just, uh, I just couldn't believe all these images of the Wentz thing getting taken down like it was a big deal. Uh, I, I could not believe it had been up. What if they replaced with Foles holding the the uh, Super Bowl trophy? That would be a nice little, a nice little uh, like Wentz uh, to Foles. Some shade there, but. Uh, the problem is Nick Foles isn't on the team, but apparently that's uh, not something that really matters to them. They just say, ah, we'll get it. We'll get around to it eventually. It doesn't really matter. It kind of does matter. It kind of is a bad look, uh, as I see it. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. That is how you join the show. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. I will say I prefer the boss to this. What is it? This is Limp Biscuit, right? Is that correct? Um, have yeah. I gotten this? I'm right about this. Yeah, you are. Um, okay. Then we we played into like every Eagles promo one year, right? I don't. I don't remember. I'm not working Eagles games, Mike. I'm. I'm. Uh, but I'm listening, of course, on on my Odyssey app. Like I don't know when you. When you throw it to break, it's sometimes promo is the first thing you hear. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I did not pay attention to the music in the background of the promos, but um I do <laughs> four years ago. I, I I'm not no, I'm not a big limp biscuit fan. A little too uh a little too hardcore for my liking. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. It seems like that that is kind of the same genre that Gabe enjoys when he's uh getting a nice a nice workout in there, right? Somewhat comparable um, to system of a down? Yeah, well I mean, Gabe Gabe's got a wide palate. He like he because remember he listens to Nora Jones in his office. He told that's, us that's right um, when he's having a nice glass of wine, I guess, or or he's a whiskey. Oh, no, co- coffee! It's like what he's doing is is uh, pregame prep. Okay, all right. Um, so uh, we'll we'll get some Gabe tomorrow, right? We have some Gabe tomorrow p- potentially. Yeah, Gabe is pumped up for something. Um, he was on uh, MLB Network Radio today, and there's something that's he's particularly excited about about um. So, you know, something he'll be able to do this offseason. Okay, nice. And and this is typically when Big Daddy would do his birthday segment, right? Is no, that, no, that, that would be 5 o'clock. All right, well, by the way, uh, and uh, I know you would want to miss him, uh, um, wish him a uh, happy birthday, Mike. It's Ben Simmons' birthday today. Okay. So, happy birthday to Ben. And Jordan tweets at me that that's Kid Rock, not Limp Biscuit. I think it is Kid Rock. Yeah, you're right. I think you've is. corrected me I was thinking of that, that Rolling song. Yeah. That was the thing. I thought I I purposely 
uh, guessed the wrong thing, and then I guessed it right, kind of ruined the joke. But to be, I kind of tuned it out. I I thought we played that Limp Biscuit rolling song. Okay, uh, whatever. They they sound the same. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join the show. Uh, if you want to call in and give your suggestion for what should replace Carson Wentz at the link, uh, you're welcome to. I just uh, I can't believe that it took so long for the Eagles to replace the Carson Wentz banner that had been uh, flying at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, so if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. Main topic tonight that we opened the show with and we've been talking about a lot is the interesting uh, kind of situation that all three of these Philadelphia teams find themselves in right now. We're all three kind of have the option of being aggressive and thinking in terms of the short term, whether it's the Phillies as they head toward the trade deadline, the winnable division, you know, where we had thought this team was far away. I had thought even up till two, three weeks ago that selling was the right move, but you find yourself in a division race that you have a legit chance to win. You're two and a half games out. Uh, according to baseball reference at this point, the Phillies have by far the best chance to win this division. They have them at 45.5, the Braves at 25.9, the Mets at 18.4. The Phillies should be able to win this division when you look at their health and you look at the strength of schedule remaining. And they now are in this position where they could think long-term, they could be conservative, or they could try to go for it now and be aggressive. The Sixers could come back next year. They could look at what the Bucs have done over the last couple of years. The Bucs who have had playoff failure after playoff failure. Some of their fans calling for them to shake it up and look to move a guy like Chris Middleton and change the chemistry around Giannis. But they have decided to let it build organically. They go out, they do add Drew Holiday and go mortgage the future for him. But the core of that team was built organically. The Sixers could do that, and they could wait, and they could hope that Ben Simmons expands his game and improves, or they could be aggressive and go out and do whatever it takes to go get Damian Lillard. The Eagles, again, in a similar situation where you have Jalen Hurts, a guy who showed some flashes last year, but there's no way the Eagles can be sold on Jalen Hurts off of four-plus games. That's crazy. They have an opportunity where they could be aggressive and go out and get a guy like Deshaun Watson who has legal issues that he is dealing with right now, but sooner or later, Deshaun Watson's going to play in the NFL again. And you have the opportunity to get out in front of it, be aggressive, and go get him whenever he is ready to play and get a guy who I view as a top five quarterback talent in this league. And it really comes down to what you want these teams to do and how you want them to operate. I think they should all be aggressive. Like aggressiveness, failing through aggressiveness is always easier to take, in my opinion, than failing through being conservative. And if these teams, if the Eagles, you know, say, ah, well, we don't want to give up those picks because we don't know when Deshaun Watson is going to be able to play, or the Sixers think, well, we don't want to trade 
everything for Damian Lillard. We don't want to trade Maxi, or we don't want to trade Thibel. We feel like it's given up too much or the Phillies decide, you know, we're not really ready to win a world series. So we're going to be conservative. I think those failures and those decisions would be difficult to take. If these teams are aggressive and they fail, you can take that. And I look at the Phillies in 09, 10 and 11, where at the trade deadline, those moves didn't result in championships, but you could live with kind of the, the, the failures where you go out, you get a Cliff Lee at the deadline. You get a Roy Halladay in the offseason. Roy Oswald at the deadline. Hunter Pence. Like, those teams tried. They gave the effort. And I think in these instances, I always want these teams to be aggressive. And in these specific situations, I think it would be wise for the Phillies to go out and make a run, the Sixers to go out, do whatever it takes to get Willard, and the Eagles, as much as people might have their moral reservations about Deshaun Watson, and I get that, Guy's a hell of a football player, and he's a hell of a quarterback. And if you can get him below market value right now, that's a move that you need to go make. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But I did want to get back to some more Dave Dombrowski sound. He was on with John Clark, um, John Clark's Takeoff podcast, and played some sound about what the Phillies' approach will be here as they head toward the deadline. But another very interesting thing that the front office and the organization as a whole have had to navigate and because of the choices that their players are making are going to continue to have to navigate is the vaccine issue. And we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of weeks where the Phillies have a sizable amount of players within that clubhouse who don't want to get vaccinated for whatever reason. We don't know the reason because none of them really feel like they need to say or really want to say. Um, Again, I've made my stance pretty clear on that. Don't really understand the secretive nature of all that. Um, But they don't want to tell us why they don't want to get vaccinated. The uh, fact remains, though, that many players don't. And it is something that the Phillies are going to have to deal with. Here's Dave Dombrowski on whether he would prefer the players on this team to step up and get vaccinated. Well, I think, uh, first of all, yes, we've encouraged the players to be vaccinated. We've done that from the beginning of the season, really through spring training until the beginning of the season and have continued to do so. We've educated them, given them material, had presentations made to them. But I also do think it's a personal decision. Um, do I wish all players were vaccinated? Yes, I'm vaccinated. I think it's good my family's vaccinated. But I can't prevent what other people think in that regard. So I think you just have to react accordingly. Uh, it would make our lives a lot easier if everybody was vaccinated. But I don't think that that's something you can force upon somebody. I think it's an individual choice. And uh, we just have, a, unfortunately, in some cases, have a lot of players that choose to not be vaccinated for all the particular reasons. I have talked to some of them about it. I would never force them to do it, but I've tried to get their reasonings, and they have their reasonings. And if I agree with them or or don't, it really doesn't make a difference. It's their particular uh, decision. And, I mean, that's a perfect answer. That's exactly how you should answer that question. It's exactly, um, you know, the right way to go about it. Like, you're not going to get anywhere by saying, by telling people they need to do something. Like, I just, generally, you don't get very far 
when you tell somebody you need to do this and uh, you need to get vaccinated. It is players' personal choices. They're um, entitled to those personal choices, but you can hear in Dave Dombrowski's voice that it does make the team's job a whole lot easier, a whole lot more difficult. And he said right there, yeah, I, I would want them to get vaccinated. Um, and, it, you know, whether I agree or disagree, nothing I can really do about it. But you can tell that it is making the Phillies job as an organization more difficult because some of these players do not want to get the vaccine. And it's an issue they don't really seem to care all that much about from the team's perspective, uh, that being said. But another issue that I've kind of thought about and nobody's really broached and I guess... um. Part of it might be because it seems like the majority of the team does not want to get vaccinated. Um, We haven't heard of a lot of guys that have been. I mean, we know Reese Hoskins has been. Anybody else? Uh, Gregorius, but he regrets it. Right. Didi and Kinsler. Right. Cost Kinsler's elbow injury. Yeah. How could I forget? Uh, Kinsler's the only. No, Kinsler's neck. Oh, his neck. It was Didi's swollen elbow. Right. And then uh, Joyce is back. Yeah. Uh, So they're dealing with injuries that they attribute to the vaccine. Um, But I was wondering whether there would be some sort of tension because this is a pretty controversial issue. I mean, I've had a lot of people call me over the last couple of weeks pretty heated about it. And here was Dave Dombrowski on whether he feels there's tension in the clubhouse based on uh, people's difference of opinion on this particular issue. Well, there doesn't seem to be. Um, I can't tell you that somebody doesn't say internally, like, I wish that guy got vaccinated. But um, our clubhouse is a pretty close clubhouse. Our players are close together. Um, when we talked about the pluses of a club, one of the things that our club definitely does, we don't give up, we compete. We're very much into coming back in that regard. We don't give in. I think we're a tough clubhouse. And I don't see that there's any of those issues whatsoever. Again, um, I think all of us realize when you miss a player, you miss, now, Nola missed a start. Fortunately, we won that game. Bowman's been out 10 days. Earlier in the year, we lost Alvarado for a couple games when he was throwing the ball real well for a week. I think we would have won a couple games maybe that week. So that comes into play. But So I'm sure people look at that, but I don't feel any sense of um, animosity there. I think they respect the individuals. I, I would compare it in a, in a lot of ways um, to political nature when people are involved in politics. I mean, people have some real contrasting views in politics, and especially when you start talking about a a major league clubhouse where people come from all over the world. So there's all different environments that people have grown up. And I think because of that process that we've been in throughout our careers and when players are in their careers, they realize there's such a differences of opinions and difference of feelings and how people, that they've grown up with that. So I think they have the ability to respect the other individual's opinions. And again, not that they necessarily agree with them, but they realize that that's part of being in a major league clubhouse with all different nationalities, personalities involved. And it is, I think, a factor as you head toward here, uh, the end of the season, that um, it seems like there's general agreement within the Phillies clubhouse. And it hasn't been an issue so far, but could it become one? I mean, sure. It's it's an issue that people feel strongly about. and. I do think it could become an issue. I mean, if you get toward the end of the season and you have these COVID issues, could I see uh, guys who are vaccinated or front office members getting frustrated? Because these front office members, a lot of their jobs are on the line. Like Dave Dombrowski's probably safe. Um, 
But some of these lower-level guys, like, their jobs could hinge on whether this team makes the postseason. And whether they make the postseason or not could be largely dependent on whether some of the big-name players on this team are vaccinated or not. Because if they're not, and they end up having to miss games down the stretch with COVID protocols, it could cost people jobs. Like, it is a legitimate issue I'm sure, like, Dave Dombrowski will say there's not tension, and maybe even the clubhouse there's not, but there's no doubt there's got to be tension within the organization, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they're initially just kind of annoyed and kind of baffled by it, but now, I don't, like, they all, like, everyone's in agreement that, like, this truly is the true meaning of agree to disagree. Like, they're, right, like, it seems like they're all kind of fine and moving on from the fact that, you know, all these guys are not, like so many of them are not getting vaccinated and will not be. Right. Right. And it seems like at this point, it does sound like they've given up at mm-hmm. this point. Like it sounds like Dombrowski is not talking about, you know, we could get to the point. It sounds like he's basically just, um, you know, kind of come to the conclusion it's not going to happen. But you do wonder how that kind of affects how they think going toward the trade deadline. Here's Dombrowski of whether. You know, that's something he'd take into account and whether he would be uh, reticent about trading for a player who's not vaccinated. No, not really. I don't think. I think you're in a situation where um, you're going to make the acquisition that you think is the right acquisition for yourself at that time. Now, does it cross my mind? Um, you, you acquire somebody and then all of a sudden they and they're not vaccinated. But I, not right now. There's been people that have been vaccinated that are still testing positive. So, um it's just one of those things that you have to deal with. And it is one of those things they're going to have to continue to deal with for the rest of the year. And I've said it before. It would be a real shame if the Phillies don't make the playoffs because of this. Because players don't want to get vaccinated. If that costs them a playoff berth, you know, I know a lot of people are understanding now. I wonder if people are going to be understanding if you get to this point and they, they don't make the playoffs, the players probably don't really care. I mean, they, they clearly don't if they haven't gotten vaccinated. But from a fan perspective, yeah, I'd find it frustrating. Sure. Yeah, but like if you're Bryce Harper and you miss the playoffs, you're going to think like, okay, we missed it because of the 22 blown saves the first three months, not because, you know, Boehm got COVID, right? Probably, but I mean, I'm thinking more of a hypothetical situation where – you have seven games left and you lose significant players to COVID protocols. You know, I'm not talking about what's going on with them right now. I'm thinking down the stretch, if you end up losing players because they're not vaccinated, mm-hmm. that could be an issue. But obviously that's that's speculating and that remains to be seen. But we also have Joe Girardi sound on this, right, Mike? Yes, we do. Uh, what, what did Joe Girardi have to say? Well, I, I think it's just there's not a lot of history behind, you know, if there are any effects of it. Um, I feel good about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage people to take it. I, I took the Pfizer. But everyone has their own belief system, and some people aren't as trusting as, as others, and, and I get that. Um, you know, a lot of people say you have to earn my trust. Um, I just went about it because, uh, you know, my wife is an asthma patient, and she's you know, you worry about that as, as being high risk. So I would hate to give it to her. Right. Um, so, you know, I just felt it was best for me to get it. But everyone else has to make their own choice. And um, I'm okay with that. I 
it, it doesn't bother me. It worries me because I worry about players getting knocked out like we did the last time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think your personal choice comes first. And that's, you know, kind of the standard line the Phillies have taken at this point. And here's more from Joe Girardi on whether uh, FDA approval would go any sort of way to changing his players' minds. I think so. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of rhetoric out there on the Internet that I'm not sure is, <laughs> is true, but I haven't read up on it, so <laughs> I don't get caught up in that. Yeah. Um, but – but I mean, players, players are on the internet a lot more than I am. They're, you know, on the Instagrams or whatever they go on social media. So that's why, you know, if I see our president of the United States getting it, I, I feel pretty good about it. Right. 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 Yeah. That's, that's good. That's well said. So both the current and the former president both have, have taken it. Yeah. 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 And that's courtesy of MLB. Network Radio. Who are the hosts there, Mike? Uh, who, who One of them was Dan Duquette. Dan Duquette, former uh, GM of the... I think Baltimore? Hmm. It sounds about right. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... And this is a lot of the problem, just generally, not just about the vaccine, but with everything. Like, you know, everybody gets their own source of information from wherever they get it from. And, like, you can be on the internet and you can get completely different uh, information uh, from different places. So uh, yeah, I do, I do think that's uh, probably part of the issue here. And yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think the Phillies are getting to the point where they're getting vaccinated uh, to the level they need to. And it's something they're gonna, just going to have to deal with uh, for the rest of the year. Unfortunately, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four. when we get back, um, I want to play some sound for for you from the Mets broadcast as their play-by-play man, Gary Cohen. You figure he'd come back off of a little vacation and he'd be, you know, happy and relaxed. Gary Cohen instead, though, uh, took a blowtorch to Cincinnati's greatest food delicacy. So we will play you that when we return. Um, And also, we'll get to Dave Dombrowski's comments on Aaron Nola, who's got... The first of many big starts in his second half tonight against the Yankees. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. If you want to get in, in the last uh, couple segments of the show here, you're welcome to 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, a few things that we'll get into uh, before we get out of here. In the next segment, I wanted to address a, a piece I saw um, from Jimmy Kemsky. does a great job for the Philly Voice in regards to a player on the Eagles who he believes the Eagles should consider trading. I disagree. Uh, with this opinion, but we'll touch on that when we return. And also a, an outrageous claim that's been made by Aaron Rodgers' uh, girlfriend or fiance. I think she's his fiance now, Shailene Woodley. Um, are you for, familiar with her work at all, Mike? Um, an actress. She, you've never seen no. big, big Little Lies? No. It's good a good show. Good show. show. It's a good show on HBO. Um, I don't have HBO. Oh, okay. 
Um, but uh, it, it's it's an interesting show dealing with uh, like the housewives of like Monterey in in California. Well, you think <laughs> the the, the uh, are you talking about? Oh, it's great! It's a great show. It's a lot of drama. It's a murder mystery. Good stuff. I mean, you uh, are you messing with me? Like, uh, no, I'm not Rock messing again? with you. Look it up. Big Little Lies. That's terrible. Oh, it's great. It's a great show. Uh, I think there uh, there's one or two seasons of it. I forget. I think there's two seasons at this point. Uh, it's her. It's Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman. Very, very well acted show. I know you're you're already yeah. giving me a sideways look there uh, about about Big Little Lies, but I'm telling you, it's 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 not a bad show. Um, but we'll get to Shailene Woodley's outrageous claim uh, that I just do not believe. I'm calling BS in the next segment here. But um, I did want to uh, touch on uh, real quick. First of all, the Mets beat the Reds 15-11 uh, in a crazy game on Monday night. So the Phils fall to two and a half games back in the NL East. One thing that, that's really odd is is... This guy, Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets now, he just is like, he's super active on Twitter. And I don't, I don't think this is, I couldn't see Moneybags Middleton doing this. Um, but in general, I don't think this is a great move of owners to do. But he like live tweets the game and is tweeting out during the game, like soliciting from fans, what should we do? Uh, come the, uh, uh, come the trade deadline, he says, let's play GM again. Um, should I make a trade and pay a big price now or wait closer to the deadline and pay a reasonable price? Are you seeing this tweet, Mike? Is this, I think this is pretty odd of an owner to do, to be tweeting this stuff out during games uh, to his fan base. Kind of yeah, odd, Yeah, I right? see it now. Uh, definitely odd. Very odd. Because then, you know, you're... I mean, obviously, you put yourself in a corner. If um, you, if the number one response is to trade for Chris Bryant, and instead you trade for Barrios, then you know, yeah, it just could be a problem. Not something that I've seen before. An owner uh, tweeting asking fans for their opinions. Normally, owners don't really care about the fans' opinions. Uh, actually, yeah, that's, that's not true. I do think Middleton cares what fans think, and uh, yeah, Twitter poll. Yeah, Steve Cohen is. Yeah, he's got to put a poll up there. You can't just ask the question. Got to put a poll to really get. Well, yeah. no, he can't. He can't make it a poll because then, you know, you can't put like Chris Bryant in a poll because then that's tampering. Well, no, that's not what he's asking. He's asking, should I make a trade now and pay a big price, or wait till uh, closer yeah. to the that's deadline? True. That's true. Uh, yeah, so uh, he should put that up there, but. Um, we played some sound from the Mets broadcast last night. Gary Thorne was calling uh, that crazy play in the first inning. But Gary Cohen was back on uh, Monday night. And, you know, every city, it's kind of a trademark of any broadcast where you go and they'll show you the local delicacy being made. Every time the Philly, the Eagles play on like a big Sunday night game, they got to have their shot down at Geno's and Pat's of the guys cutting up and making the cheesesteak and doing all that stuff. And no, it just, just dawned on me. So Gary Cohen takes off a Pittsburgh series and then decides like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll meet them in Cincinnati. Well, I think it's, it's because just like take the whole road trip off. Well, it's because of the all-star break, you know, you take yeah. off that weekend to, to go along with it. Um, but the delicacy in Cincinnati is apparently this skyline chili, which I've never been to Cincinnati. I have no desire to ever go to Cincinnati. I have no desire to ever go to the state of Ohio, 
Like, I don't, I, I just have no interest in anything going on in Ohio. Cincinnati. The horseshoe? No thanks. Cleveland, no thanks. I'll, I'll do without the shoe. You know, I can go other stadiums. Not the eye? No, I don't care about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to Ohio. Um, but, uh, their delicacy is this skyline chili, which uh, to me did not look all that appealing. And Gary Cohen didn't seem to think it was appealing at all. Here was um, Gary Cohen in the Mets broadcast. I believe he's with Ron Darling here coming back from break as they're uh, talking over video of this skyline chili uh, being made uh, at, a, I guess, a skyline chili restaurant. I mean, it looked legitimately disgusting. I've heard about this Skyline Chili before. It's a pretty controversial food item where some people actually think it's pretty good. Other people say it's like the most disgusting thing you could ever eat. I tend to side with the people who say it's disgusting. And I, again, I've never had it. I never intend to have it. But what they say was on there, spaghetti and and beans and, and ugh. Ugh, sounds sounds pretty gross. Not something that <laughs> oh, I would bean want. guy. No, I mean I'm not <laughs> spaghetti and chili and beans. Yeah, I, the, the spaghetti thing sounds just like a terrible like twist. Yeah, it sounds sounds gross. So if anybody's uh, had skyline chili and wants to weigh in with their hot hot oh, chili uh, cakes, we should have Ike call in. Oh yeah, Ike's, Ike's a Cincinnati guy. I don't think Al, uh, Ike is uh, Ike is up right now, um, but. Uh, if Ike is up, Ike, call in. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but we were talking about the vaccine stuff in the last segment. Obviously, Aaron Nola is one of the guys who has not gotten vaccinated. And uh, that aside, Aaron Nola has been, been bad this year. Like, the first half of his season has been extremely disappointing. And... I mean, I'm somebody who I've, I've always kind of thought we've overrated Aaron Nola in this city. I've never thought he was that dynamic of an ace-level pitcher where he just doesn't have elite-level stuff. Like, if he has command, he can be effective. But he's not the kind of guy who's going to overpower you. He's not the kind of guy who's going to beat you with his stuff. And for Aaron Nola to be effective... He needs to have command, he needs to have his location, and he needs to be, you know, executing at a high level where he can't do the kind of things that Zach Wheeler can do. Where even when Zach Wheeler doesn't have his best stuff, he can kind of gut his way through a start. Like even the other day, he gives up the four runs, but he's still able to gut his way through and he's got that kind of that kind of, of arm talent where he can get by even when he's not not on, so to speak. But Aaron Nola 
has not done that this year. Here's Dave Dombrowski on Aaron Nola and his outlook as the Phillies move forward here for the rest of the season. Well, the September issues, which have been here beforehand, uh, my guess from just talking to people is that he gets tired. Uh, I mean, that he's in a position, he pitches a lot of innings. He works really hard during the year, and he's been in a position where that September catches up to him. We've been very careful, and I tip my cap to, to Joe Girardi and Caleb, our pitching coach, because one thing, even though our guys have some innings, they've never pushed guys to come back on short rest. We give them extra rest all the time this year with the idea of, okay, a healthy pitching staff in September can be just as important as just who's available out there. So being healthy and being in a position where you can go out and perform is very important. So, And I think the other thing with him this year, his stuff's been good. We've seen some outstanding out, outings for him. I think what ends up happening is mechanically he gets a little bit out with his delivery and they work on it, and he gets it back in the gear, and he's fine. He'll go out there, throw a great game, and then all of a sudden he'll have a mechanical adjustment. And there's a lot of moving parts in his delivery, and I think he's fallen into that a couple times this year. But, again, he's aware of it. I wouldn't shock me if he goes out there and pitches against the Yankees on Tuesday and shuts them down. And Noah's pitching tonight. It is a big start for him. And, you know, we talk a lot about the deadline, obviously. But, you know, Regardless of what the Phillies do, a lot of it isn't going to matter unless Aaron Nola starts pitching at a much higher level. Like, he is going to need to be significantly better for the Phillies to make the playoffs. Bottom line. Because you look at what he's done this year, it's just not good enough. I mean, 6-5, and five, a uh, an ERA over 4. He just has not been very good this year at all. And they don't need him to be an ace. Zach Wheeler's the ace of this staff. We know that. But they need Aaron Nola to be a reliable starter for them. They need him to be a guy that they can count on to go out and give them a quality start every time he's out. And they have not been able to rely on that this year. He has not been good enough. Forget the vaccine part of it. He has not been a quality pitcher for this team. He's had some moments. He had, you know, the great game in New York when he struck out 10 in a row, and he had another game earlier this year. I think it was against St. Louis where he he pitched well on a Sunday afternoon. But those starts have been few and far between. And if the Phillies are going to make a run and they're going to win this division – they're going to need Aaron Nola to be a lot better in the second half of the season than he's been in the first half. Hopefully it starts uh, tonight up there in New York. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I do want to get to this uh, thing involving Shailene Woodley, Aaron Rodgers' fiance. We'll talk about that, and we'll get to Jimmy Kemsky's um, piece on the Philly Voice. A player with the Eagles, he thinks they should be shopping uh, as tra- as training camp begins next week, which I uh, disagree with. I would not trade this player um, by any stretch. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you for another couple segments here before we uh, talk to Al for the Overlap Show. 
Uh, in the next segment, we'll look at Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight and uh, see if whether there will be a champion crown tonight in the NBA. Uh, Bucks leading that series three games to two. Uh, it's been a fun series, really has. I mean, I, I will say coming in, I did not have a lot of interest, just not a lot of great storylines, I thought. I, I I think we've become so accustomed, or at least I have, to the superstars really being involved in these finals, whether the Warriors uh, were in it the last couple of years and LeBron and just teams with, you know, a lot of history being in those rounds where, you know, Phoenix and Milwaukee both being in it for the first time in forever. Just it wasn't that intriguing of a matchup to me, but games four and five been great. And uh, Milwaukee rallying back from falling behind 2-0 in the series, now with the 3-2 lead, uh, Game 6 in Milwaukee tonight. So we'll we'll break that, that down coming up in the next segment here and uh, look at whether Milwaukee can win their first championship. And I, I, don't, I don't know the last time they won a championship, but imagine what, the 70s? 1971. 1971. I guess they had Kareem then, right? And Robertson. And, uh, and uh, the Big O. <laughs> Oscar Robertson. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in the next segment. But um, I saw this story, like, uh, as Aaron Rodgers is engaged now to Shailene Woodley, and I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' situation is going to be um, moving forward. My, my guess at this point is he ends up unhappily playing quarterback for the Packers this year. Like, if I'm the Packers at this point – you know, Aaron Rodgers might want not want to be there, but what are you going to do? Like, he can't, I mean, if he wants to retire, fine. Um, but if I'm the Packers, I'm keeping Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, uh, if he wants to retire, uh, he can do that. Other than that, I'm not trading him. I'm making him play for the Packers this year, uh, and that's what I think will end up happening. But I saw Shailene Woodley who is a, an actress, now his fiance said before she met Aaron Rodgers, she had never seen a football game in her life. Do you believe that to be true, Mike? There's no way that can be true. She's not from another country or something. She's, she's, no, American. I believe that. I believe that. Really? Come in, like, you, you, Tom, there are people that don't watch sports. Right, but I mean, you're an American. Of course, at some point in your life, you're going to see a football. You're going to stumble across a football game at some point. But does she mean live or like to like sit down and watch a no, full three-hour broadcast? I believe she said she'd never seen a football game in any capacity. There's no maybe way she's that... ruling like if she like walked past a room at a party and it was on for five minutes. I, I don't think she's counting that. Oh, she's never watched the. Everybody watches the Super Bowl. Not everyone does. Everybody. People watch like that puppy thing. The the they're not on at the same time. You can watch the puppy bowl I and then they're... watch the Super Bowl. Okay. The puppy bowl is 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 not alternative programming. It's it's part. I of the I, I always activities. understood it to be. I no. guess maybe not. No, there's I th- that's that's a bunch of B. I'm calling BS on her. There's no way that she's never seen a football game as an American citizen growing up in this country. I mean, it's America's pastime. No, it's not. That's baseball. It used to be baseball. It's no, no it's still, baseball. they still say about baseball. They say it. It's not true. Well, it's true. No. America's pastime, or I guess America's present time then, is football. And there's no way she, I, I, I call BS. If you want to get in and, and, and uh, give me your side of, of whether you believe Shailene Woodley's telling the truth here. 
Uh, Where'd she grow up? I, I somewhere in America. I mean, does it matter? Yeah, it kind of does. If she grew, grew up in Montana versus Texas, she grew up in Texas and didn't see football. That's that you know that'd be startling. I'll check out her IMDb here. But there's like there's just no way you've never seen a football game. There's not. Of course you have. She had to have. I I, I refuse to believe it. Refuse to believe that she's never seen California. Okay. You've seen a okay. football game in your life. Come on. Stop. The, I, I don't. I, I don't know what uh the what she's trying to pull here, but she see she said she only knew who Aaron Rodgers was. Uh, she she thought he was the nerdy Jeopardy guy. She didn't know he was. A football guy, as she said. She had yes. another take, too. What? This could be a sex segment topic. Oh. She says uh, sex scenes where women wear bras are unrealistic. Hmm. I think there's some merit to that. Yeah, I think there's some. Yeah, if you're, I guess if you're getting, you're getting frisky, um, yeah, you know, no, the, the no bra's probably yeah. coming off for the most part. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll <laughs> getting a little getting a little frisky here at uh four fifty eight in the morning. Well, I mean, the point is, you there is stuff she says that you can agree with, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't agree that she has never seen a football game in her life. All I think right. it's I think it's BS. I don't think she's telling the truth. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to weigh in on this very important issue, uh, I'd love to get your take on it um, before we get out of here, uh, but. I did want to mention here before um, we hit the break. Um, Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice had written a piece on uh, Monday about the Eagles and saying how they should explore trades for Fletcher Cox as they head toward training camp. Now, Fletcher Cox's situation, he's going into this season. He's in his early 30s. I think he's 31. Um, he's got two years left on his deal pretty sizable money i mean he's a very good player and he's going to be making uh significant amounts of money and jimmy kemsky's argument at this point is that where the eagles are is that they're not going to be very competitive you might as well trade fletcher cox and get what you can for him um at this point uh while you can still get value for him now, I would certainly not trade Fletcher Cox. Like, I look at Fletcher Cox, I think he's still a very productive player. I think he's as good as he is. He's underrated in this town. Like, um, I, he gets a lot of criticism, like, when the defense doesn't play well. well Fletcher Cox, how's he not making more plays? Well, uh, if in the Dallas game, Michael Jaquette is getting picked on all day long, I struggle to see how that's Fletcher Cox's fault. Uh He's an impactful player. He's a guy that still is playing at a high level. And I don't agree with the general premise that this team's not going to be competitive. And we look and we see what's going on with the Phillies right now. Where you play in a bad division, it doesn't matter really how good you're going to be. It matters how you stack up with the competition around you. And... I don't think anybody would argue that the Phillies are what you would call a championship-level team, but they stack up pretty well with the teams surrounding them. And I see the Eagles in the same in the same way this year. Like I don't think Dallas or the Giants or Washington 
are significantly better than them. And I get the argument for why wouldn't you capitalize on value now for a guy like Fletcher Cox, who to a contender could have significant, significant appeal and significant interest. But I still think he's a really productive player, a really important part of this defense. The numbers aren't always where you would believe they are. Like he, his numbers aren't Aaron Donald like numbers. He's not Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle in the league. He's a very rare type of player. And I think to expect those that kind of production out of Fletcher Cox is unreasonable. But Fletcher Cox is still an extremely productive player at this point in his career. He's still a guy that's going to help you win. And I think this is a winnable division for the Eagles. I do. I still think this is a team that can win the NFC East this year, that can play at a high level and be in the mix. Um and I'm interested to see how he's utilized in this new defense. And I think the defensive line for this team is is a really underrated part of it. We talked about the offensive line and them getting guys back from injuries and being strong on that side of the ball. I think similarly on the defensive line where, uh, you know, Hargrave started to play better toward the end of last year. You know, you get Brandon Graham back for another season. Uh, Barnett. Sweat. This is a deep defensive line, and I'm not trading Fletcher Cox and making that defensive line uh, significantly worse. So I understand uh, the reasoning behind it, um, and I get wanting to maybe clear some cap space, but I'm not doing that at this point. I'm keeping Fletcher Cox and trying to win this year if I'm the Eagles. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. 9494. John and Hazleton, uh, you'll be first after the break. And then you, if you want to get in, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for a couple more minutes here. Time to squeeze in another call or two if you want to get in. 215 592 9494. I'll be back on tomorrow. Um, we'll plenty to talk about tomorrow. We'll, uh, get, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about Phillies Yankees game. One of their two game series tonight, Aaron Nola on the mound. Phil's now two and a half games back in the division after the Mets win a wild one in Cincinnati, 15 to 11 on, uh, Monday night in 11 innings, Uh crazy game. Mets were down 7-3. I've got to give the Mets some credit. They have fought back from some big deficits over the last couple days. So the Phils lose a half game. Aaron Nola on the mound tonight. I mean, hopefully Aaron Nola can pitch better. The Phillies need him to. They need him to be significantly better in the second half of the season than he's been so far this year. And that starts tonight. So Aaron Nola on the mound. Uh, I'm sure we'll break that down. Uh, NBA Finals Game 6 tonight. We'll preview that in a minute. And um, a very interesting matchup as the Bucks up 3-2. Suns trying to force a Game 7 on Thursday. So sure we'll get into that tomorrow um, as well. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, let's go to John in Hazleton. What's up, John? Two things real quick. Aaron Nola better not crap to bed tomorrow coming back. That's uh, that's a big game tomorrow. But uh, the real reason I called is uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I think he, he's a great talent. 
if I knew 100% that there was nothing wrong with him, I would love to have him on the Eagles. But here's the elephant in the room. All right? You know, I know you're a, a good family man or whatever. But in my younger days, I was a criminal. I, get, I used to get involved in stuff. You know the places to go to get what he's obviously into, and it's not an issue. He chooses to apparently go to professional uh, massage, whatever you want to call them, and pull that kind of stuff. You have to really think long and hard before you invest real draft capital in him and bring him here because, God forbid, if he really is a deviant and something's wrong with him and you get him and you, you give up these draft picks or whatever you give up and he pulls this nonsense again and he gets suspended. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no doubt about it, John. And it's a situation where if the Eagles are going to consider this, and I can guarantee you they are considering it, and they're going to, you know, oh, I agree. Look, look at doing it if they can. But there's no doubt in my mind they will, they will investigate this and do their homework very, very closely. And if they have any concerns, they won't make the move. Um, but uh, I certainly think that they are investigating it. And I, I, you know, I I just knowing the way Howie Roseman operates, if they have confidence that Deshaun Watson will uh, be, you know, uh, somebody who could stay out of trouble here, I think they'll look to do it. Oh, if they if they if it works out and he you know and, and, and he could keep you know keep himself out of that situation out of trouble, I'd love to have him because I'll tell you what, if the Eagles could get him this year and you know he only got suspended a couple games instead of they're saying I guess probably six. They could easily win this division with him. Yeah, I mean, John, he's so good that even if you were trading for him and you had to give up a first and a third and he wasn't playing all year, I'd still do it. Like, he's he's that talented of a player where I would trade that kind of collateral even if you, you know you're not going to have him this season. You just play with Hurts, you give up first-round pick, and, and you'd be done with it. When's the last time the Eagles had a, had a top-five quarterback other than Wentz? for the 17th season, because I can't, I mean, maybe, I guess McNabb was top five in the early 2000s, but. Yeah, Wentz had that great year in 17, and and we talked about it a little last night, where it's weird how the Eagles have had quarterbacks play great for, like, one-year stretches, whether it was Wentz in 17, Foles in 13, um, Vic in 2010. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Vic in 2010 was was every bit as good as Wentz was in, in, in 17, and, you know, they, they've always had those kind of guys do it in spurts, but nobody's been able to, to sustain it. Real quick, you know what was interesting going back to that 2010 game? You What's remember that? that playoff game. If he doesn't throw that late interception trying to force it into Riley Cooper at the end, they had Green Bay on the ropes. Green Bay won the Super Bowl. What could have been? I know. No, John, that one's still that, – that's a playoff loss that we don't talk about nearly enough. But if the Eagles win that game, they, they – could have gone under. There was no Super doubt Bowl. in my mind they would have beat Atlanta the next week in in, uh, in Atlanta. There was oh. no doubt in my mind. Oh yeah, I agree. That Atlanta team wasn't very good. I think the Eagles no, would have beaten them as well. So appreciate it, John. Thanks for Absolutely. the call. Yep, take it easy. And yeah, that that is a loss we don't talk nearly enough about. And Vic didn't play great in that game. Um, and uh, it's funny how how the in the aftermath of that game. Everybody was crushing Sean McDermott, and Sean McDermott ends up getting fired. When you look back in retrospect, the Eagles' defense actually did a pretty decent job in that game. Going up against Aaron Rodgers the year he goes on to win his first Super Bowl. I mean, remember who the Eagles' cornerbacks were that year? Asante Samuel and Dimitri Patterson was their other corner. 
well, they held him 21 points in that game. I Was it Ellis Hobbs got hurt on a Ellis like midseason? That's why Patterson took I over? I thought he got hurt earlier on in the year. I mean, it didn't. I, I totally forgot about I that I got hurt in the Sunday night game against the Giants. Potentially. I, 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 I don't really remember. It's all kind of hazy at this point. Um, but what were yeah, you doing that year? It's all hazy. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know. 2010, I was, I, I think 23, everything's a, a hazy okay. from that, that point. But yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles end up, uh, cause Vic, didn't he have to leave the game for, to get checked for a concussion or something? And Which he, game? The Packers. Uh, no, he's dealing with something with his ankle. And he came out, Kevin Cobb came in for like a play, and it was then, then Vic came back in. And they had a big play to Deshaun where he just gets tripped up. Um, and then, obviously, Vic takes the shot and throws the interception uh, when he's going for Riley Cooper in the end zone. But uh, if, they, if they won that game, I think they really might have won the Super Bowl. Like, there was no dominant team that year in the NFL. I can't remember who was that quarterback that came in for Jay Cutler. In the NFC Championship game. Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, Caleb Haney, I believe. Caleb Haney, okay. Number 12. Um, I remember, yeah, I, I I don't know why I remember that, but I do. And I think the Eagles would have beaten would have beaten the Bears. Caleb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that was a, a disappointing uh, loss. And the Eagles screwed it up for themselves, too. I mean, if they had just beaten the Vikings on that Tuesday night game, they'd have been the two-seed. Uh, the way it worked out, they probably would have ended up playing the Packers at home in the championship game anyway, um, but uh, didn't end up happening, and uh, we all know how that how that season ended. 215-592-9494, and uh, let's preview game six of the NBA Finals before we get out of here. You got the Bucks taking on the Suns tonight. Um, I got to check what the line is for this game. I believe it's Bucks minus five. But uh, I have been riding with the Suns this entire series. I thought the Suns would win the championship after they beat the Lakers in the first round. I I, I thought they were the most complete team in the playoffs. Uh, they've had some really bad collapses in this series. Down to four and a half. Okay, down to four and a half. And I'll tell you what, like we, we looked at it at the time in game one. And I thought, oh, well, what a shame for Dario to get hurt. He can't play in the finals. It's had a legitimate impact in this series. Like, the Suns really miss him. And Dario would only play like 10 to 12 minutes a night for them. But he was a player who was really important to get Aiton rest. I mean, Mike, you told me last night, Aiton played, what, 45 minutes in game played five? Played 45 minutes, yeah. And they just have, I mean, they have Frank the Tank who stinks. I mean, he's terrible. I don't even know how that guy's in the NBA. But... They just have nothing behind Aiton, and Dario was a really important player for them, and losing him has been a killer. I'm just so, like, dug in at this point that I'm just going to pick the Suns tonight. Like, I'm just I'm just going to pick them. I think they find a way to win this game and take it back to Phoenix uh, for a Game 7. I do not fear the deer, even though you texted me that the other night during Game 5. You've not respected the Bucks during this whole run. I don't. Res- I just. I am so dug in on the fact that the Suns are good and the Bucks are frauds that I refuse to. I refuse to. How are the Bucks frauds? Like, 
what are the Suns? Like, what are they? I like, think the they're... Suns are, are a good team. I think I and but then what are the Bucks? They're a good team. I just but I, what makes them frauds? I don't know. There's just some Budenholzer is what makes them frauds. Oh, okay, okay, because Monty Williams won everything. I'm not, you know, Monty Williams guy. I wish Monty Williams said had taken over the Sixers years ago. Um, but I just there's so, uh, I think the Suns find a way to win this game. I think they find a way to send it back for Game Seven. Uh, what do you What do you think, Mike? I, I'm guessing you you take the Bucks comfortably tonight. I don't know about comfortably. Uh, I think Phoenix will compete. They're just you know Aiden's drained. It seems like and Chris Paul's hurt. Um, I think he has both a, a leg injury and a, and a wrist injury. It seems like I don't know what specific leg injury, but it seems compromised there. But yeah, I, I mean they're just out of players. Like they're they're just out of uh firepower and horse like the like. Jay, like Jay Crowder, all of a sudden can't play defense. I think Windy had the stat on the Hoop Collective. He was ten for twelve, or you know, guys were ten for twelve on him. So yeah, I mean, Phoenix just seems gassed. Milwaukee's a little bit left, you know, the way Middleton and, and Anacupa are playing, and and you know, Drew Holiday if you can mix that in again. Do you think if Phoenix wins this game, Milwaukee's in trouble? Like, do you, do you think? I mean, of course, they're in trouble. their season could end. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, like. If they lose this game, do you think this is their this is their shot? Yeah, I mean it's their best shot. It's they have all the momentum now, flipping the whole thing around, and then going to that home court and that home floor. Like you know, that place is going to be. Awesome. I just want to see a good game tonight. I, I I would say like if the Bucks do win, it would be funny to see Chris Paul choke. And I don't like dislike Chris Paul, but it's always fun to see a guy to see a guy choke. Yeah, I, I actually like. I just I feel like Anacupo and Middleton have earned this championship. Like they've earned this this spot. They have, and they're honestly they're not frauds. They've been impressive this postseason, and and we'll see how it all plays out. But just hoping for for a good game tonight uh, in Game Six. Hope everyone has fun. There you go. Uh, and that'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks to Mike for producing. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back uh, next to talk to Al for the Overlap Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.